0: What's up everybody? Welcome back. We got another episode of The Strange Road. I'm your host Mikey. Of course, always with me is Bub, hey. riding shotgun tonight. How's it going? Uh tonight we have Stoner. A little lonely back there in Master Control. No <laughs> Stoner the loner. No, Stoner the loner. No, Sir Bro of Diz, uh, but we got it all under control. Uh Diz Bro set us up for success tonight with all the audio, so everything's going to be looking and sounding yeah. good like always.
1: And for anybody that doesn't know or hasn't watched the show before, his real name is Stoner, his last name. Yes. Yeah. Um, the wizard. Sometimes it sometimes draws it's the a, a wizard. funny it's the, look. It's yeah, stoner, it's stoner. <laughs> he's, he's the wizard g- in
0: master control. But today he's the loner Where, stoner. The loner stoner. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, always, guys. Thank you for showing up and hanging out in the chat. Absolutely. Anybody that's watching live, we appreciate. We see you. all you guys in there. Stoner's dad, what's going on? Born not to run. Floods capac- capacitor. Necro. Justin Lamb. We see you. What's happening, everybody? Uh, Backyard TV. Welcome. Welcome. Heck yeah. Uh, this is going to be a, a great episode. Super, super stoked. What I, up. I've i been saying, it's the wheelhouse of the wheelhouse of The Strange Road. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and me personally, like my interests overall, um, you know, being from Ohio, we have similar stories that what we're going to hear yeah. from a completely different location. Yeah. Uh, tonight, we have Heather L. Arnold and she's an author, researcher, and she's been digging into giants in Aruba yeah. for many years. Um, you can see her on a lot of different podcasts. She has a Substack. Please oh, yeah. go in the description. Check out all of her stuff. Follow her, and uh, you know you, this kind of information. The Facebook groups and the Facebook page um, for uh, are full of images and, uh, links, different articles video. and links. So go check that out. Um, I want to bring in Heather right now. Uh, Heather, thank you so, so much for being on the show. Thank you for being here. Uh, how are you?
2: Great. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be on your show. I appreciate it.
1: Absolutely. Thank yes. you. And we were talking earlier, right before we started, she was having some issues. So just fyi she's in the. you said the high wind season of where you're located right so it's not uncommon maybe that comes through and kind of knocks out the signal so if we have a pause just bear with us but uh i think it'll be worth worth the wait um right so aruba how did you make your way down there and research like start researching giants well how did that connect
2: yeah, it's a crazy story. So, I came down here on vacation in 2005 and um I ended up uh breaking my back during a rock Holy climbing cow. incident. Holy yeah, Moses. crazy. It was, so, I fell and broke my back in two places. And um I realized Jesus. that I couldn't do my job anymore. I was living in Manhattan. Um at that time I was a pharmaceutical rep. I lived on a fourth a four story walk up building. Yeah. So, um my whole life was physically uh it was necessary for me to physically be walking and active and right. so um once I broke my back I realized, wow, you know, I'm I can't live in the city in New York City anymore. I've got to make a, a major move. And so I decided to move down to Aruba. So I packed up everything I had um, and donated everything else and came down to Aruba. And uh, through a series of events, I uh, met some Arubans, one of them being my daughter's father, and we decided to start a tour company. So I was laid up for um, over a year. I wasn't really able to walk much or move about freely um, due to my injuries. So I did a business plan and I worked on a business plan for a tour company and I wanted it to be tours that were very different from anything available on the island. So I focused on private Jeep tours and Harley Mm -hmm. Davidson rentals, and tours. And my other component of the tours that I wanted is I wanted them to be historically accurate. And through my research of Aruba um, and the ABC Islands, which um, are Aruba, Bonaire, and Curaçao, they're rather close together. You could actually take a boat to them and um, and all three actually share the the history of the giants. But so I, I did research and looked online and um, I, I really couldn't find anything. It was very strange. And so then I stumbled across a an archaeologist who I'm now actually very close friends with who's here uh, on the island. He's the head of archaeology for the Archaeology Museum, giving a talk. And in the talk, uh, it was a video of a, of a talk he had done, I, I believe it was in Aruba, um, on the five, what they were calling the 500-year birthday of Aruba. Aruba. And he took uh, umbrage with that, saying, you know, there were people here 5,000 years ago. Why oh. are we saying Aruba is only 500 years old? And it's going on, which I actually agreed with. But then he started saying, that, and then I kind of zoned out and then zoned back in when he started going off on saying, there are no giants in Aruba, there were never any giants. In Aruba, And I thought, what is he talking about? No one's even saying anything about giants. And he just starts going off about giants. And then I thought, wow, there must have <laughs> been giants in Aruba. Yes. So,
0: <laughs> so he's,
2: got, he's
0: got the same. I'm living a parallel life with you in this He's got the same
1: correlatory story of, of how Dude. did you guys get into the giants that time oh in my Serpent gosh. Mound? Like I, c- it was, I can
0: tell the story real quick. Yeah, uh, Fort Hill is another ancient earthwork site up on this amazing hill. It's really trippy place place but me and my wife when she was right before we had our our first child we went on a hike get some exercise take a tour of fort hill right there's a park ranger up there at the top they're giving us this tour and then he says to the group oh you guys oh yeah well i got some really interesting information if you guys want to hear about it we're like yeah yeah and he's like well I probably shouldn't. This is a you know Ohio, uh, it's hush, Ohio hush. history connection. Not to talk about sponsored it. tour, right? And so he's like, no, 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 I better not, better not. So me and my wife were like, what, what is going, going on going? here, bro? <laughs> you, you're doing this to the wrong guy. Make up your mind. So we finish this Uh, other park ranger comes up because it's a long tour. It's a big, big property. Right. And so this other guy comes up, and he uh, relieves the park ranger of his duty. He goes back down to the parking lot, and we continue the tour. We get down to the parking lot at the end of the tour. My wife walks right up to him. He's down there. Hey, what were you talking about? (laughs) Up on that? You know, you got to tell us. You can't just leave us hanging, man. He's like, all right, well, it's just us. Well, have you guys ever heard about the Nephilim? the giants and it's like or oh, he said have you ever heard about the nephilim in ohio a lot of people think that there's legends that there were giants here and of like it's very suppressed if that's from the bible well, yes. the nephilim is what the sure. word he used and i said hold on a second how have i never heard about this i mean this is in like 2013 and I, and i had just started tapping into all the earthworks and figuring out what they were all about. And, you know, we had Serpent Mound, but I thought that was kind of a uh, a one-off. Yeah, yeah, I didn't realize yeah. how many Rarity. earthworks and they were geometrically perfect and mathematically perfect and right. aligned to everything. And so uh, he told us, look into this. There's a lot of people researching yeah. this stuff. And I just shocked that I'd never heard about this. And I'm into this kind of stuff. Right.
1: So again, so, but the unprovoked nature of going, yeah, in her instance of him, you know, saying don't even ask about giants. They were never giants. And like Brad what? Lepper does the who, same
0: thing. Who starts the doing Ohio that? history connection? Archaeologist right. here in Ohio. That's like a
1: Freudian slip of like there are giants, you know, like exactly. don't ask about the giants. Like P.S. There's giants. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: Continue. Yeah,
2: that's one major. Yeah, that's parallel. why I. I I, that Well, that's why I began to research them, because I thought that's so strange, because no one ever said in, in this whole talk, I mean, bringing up giants and all of a sudden right. he's going off and in, in, uh, almost unhinged about there's, you know, no giant. Don't even look over there. There is nothing to see. Wow. So then i began to to really dig in because now i had a direction to go and then it began to become clear to me why this was being suppressed not necessarily why but why it was more of a challenge for me to find out the true history of aruba and so then i came across amerigo vespucci's letters that he wrote when he first stepped foot in aruba hmm. And then I discovered that he was he wrote a very detailed analysis of what he came across when he first came to Aruba in 1499. And it was due to his interactions with the giants in Aruba that he called the island the island of the giants. And in the Juan de la Cosa 1502 Mapus Mundi, which is considered the first map of the new world, mm-hmm. he, um, uh, almost perfectly uh puts Aruba on the map but doesn't call it Aruba calls it the island of the giants mm. and he also makes notes of uh, note oh. of Curacao as well so it's Aruba and Curacao that are considered the islands of the giants later Bonaire would become a part of that as well but I think because the islands, uh, geographically speaking, first comes Aruba, then Curacao, and then Bonaire. Gotcha. I think they just didn't get to Bonaire at that point. By the time that the the map was done, but by fifteen oh eight, for sure they knew about Bonaire because it's written in documents. Those three islands were under the jurisdiction of Spanish rule, based off of the mainland, which of which is now Venezuela, hmm. and they were named as the Islands of the Giants. So. Um, they, that was the the first beginnings of me realizing wow there really is a history of Giants on the island and once I dug deeper and deeper read Vespucci's notes which were very very detailed very clear very concise I mean Vespucci wasn't in one of the arguments they'll say is oh the Vespucci and the other explorers, they were trying to sell books, so they just made up these fantastical stories to sell books. Well, I mean, that could have been the case, but I don't think these men who were responsible for all this, what was considered at that time high technology, some of the smartest people, some of the most prestigious people, um, advanced people, he brought over. Um, with him on the ship, you know, uh, doctors, uh, people who were um, experts in medicine, almost like a modern day pharmacist, um, people who were experts in the flora, fa- fauna, birds mm-hmm. in particular. Uh, he was jotting down everything that he was seeing, what they were wearing, what they were eating, what they looked like. So it's a um, real research
1: expedition. It's not, you know, just out exactly. there with maybe he has a journal and he's, well, you know, taking he's detailing. I it mean, to look
0: at Magellan's the, Count from Patagonia. Right, right. Well yeah.
1: detailed. Tried to bring back one They'd with them. They
0: sketched the giant yeah. with all of them next to him. But- And to take him with them. Nabbed that giant. And they died in transit. He died in transit. They never, I mean, the rotting corpse on a boat, (laughs) they probably just kicked it off, you know, on their way back to wherever they were going.
1: Sounds like a rough ride. And,
0: you know, DeSoto coming up from Louisiana and coming up into the Americas and seeing live giants in the
1: 1500s. That was going to be my question to her was what is the actual... What's the uh, accepted reasoning behind it being called but the Island of Skeptons. Giants? But these aren't
0: skeletons. These are accounts of actual no, living I giants. I know, right? but I'm
1: trying to figure out, like, it's is there, crazy. like, a... Uh, uh, here's the official why we call it the, the Island of Giants. There was, like, some, you know, mythological something, story yeah. or something that, like you're saying, it's just to draw people in, but from the accounts of the researcher down there, that, that doesn't s- seem to jive
2: with their work ethic, so... Right, so that's a good good question. So the reason why he called it the Islands of Giants, and he specifically tells you why in Vespucci's letters. It's his first letter of his second voyage. Um, he writes, "It's in a book. It's an excellent book if you're anyone's into it and very into history. It's called Letters from the New World." Oh, cool! And. Um, he writes about how that he cool. came to Aruba, we're not calling it Aruba, but the mainland, what, originally what occurred was Columbus was over for here first, um, actually the mainland South, uh, northern South American coastline. And he, uh, he didn't have time to come to Aruba, but I'm positive they they Mainland, um, w- which I would consider them probably Arawak, the people of what is which is now Venezuela, told Columbus that there was gold in Aruba, which there is. Mm. So I'm sure that was one of the beginning intrigues of coming to Aruba. So when Columbus went back to Europe, he communicated this information and he lost his um it's permit, so to speak, to come back here again, which he was originally intended to do. Okay. It was some people say it was absconded by Amerigo Vespucci, which because he married into the uh, Medici family. Uh-huh. And accused there Columbus of embezzling money. Mm-hmm. And so She's Vespucci then got the gig. So. Yep.
0: Hundred um, like, percent. Wow.
2: Then, yeah, it's pretty. Uh, it's <laughs> it's actually. I think that I would love to even just write a book on that. Right. I was about that to say, this needs Wild.
0: this
1: needs to be like an HBO Game of Thrones or Showtime. You don't like, play series with the Medici. You know,
0: they're the black. Yeah. That's the black nobility, dude. Okay, yeah. that's the black nobility. The black. They were oh. they were
2: financing these. The, the, oh, yeah. all the ships.
3: Okay. So, Tell, um, dude, and then on. when
2: they came over. Then they, they immediately wanted to come to what is now Aruba. So they came over on a boat and they first saw, kind of like Magellan did as well, large footprints in the sand. Okay. And that's when they were intrigued. So they began to follow the footprints and they, and they were met by seven women. And Vespucci mentions each of them were taller than if we were if they were kneeling and we were standing they would still be taller than us and so and these were just the women and he surmised that one was probably a grandmother one was probably a mother and then there were there were uh, teenage girls and similar to what you were talking about um earlier about taking one of the giants and bringing them on the ship as Magellan did that's exactly what the plan that they began to concoct is taking one of the t- teenage girls and bringing her back on the ship.
3: Oh, so wild.
2: once, yeah, it's <laughs> kind of I think the modus operandi. You know, these treasures uh, of their journey. Right. Um, sadly, there was, some of them were human. Yeah, and so when they're trying to concoct this um plan the the 36 men come into the the village and by the way Vespucci details what the women look like and what their village was like and they had a huge communication problem and they couldn't communicate on any level and these 36 men come in Vespucci is terrified as are the men and the the men in his group not the giants and the giants all have these strange Weapons, weapons that Vespucci had never seen before, and he was terrified of. He couldn't even figure out how they were lifting the weapons that they had. He was trying to figure out what would that weapon be for? What would that weapon be for? And then they suddenly realized maybe they should abort mission. Mm. and not try to steal the, the the teenage girls and just head back to the ship. So they quickly turn around, reverse course, and try to get back to the ship as quickly as possible. And the giants are steps behind them, not letting them out of their sight. And they're terrified. And just to give you some context, Vespucci, the, the, the island he was at before he had reached Aruba, was um, again off the coast of South America south america the northern coast and he had witnessed cannibals with a a human on a spit uh, being cooked good God! and he was more terrified of these giants than he was of the cannibals and so the giants were following them, right, pacing them right back to the ship, even going into the water as they're trying to board the ship. Vespucci oh, and the men were so scared that they began to fire off their cannons. And he says not to hurt them, but as to scare them and right. have them retreat. And then he states, you know, you know I, thought I thought I was going to die that day. That was the most fear Absolutely. I had ever felt. And he said, I named these islands the Islands of the Giants due to the large stature of the people there. So he specifically tells you why he named them the Island of the Giants. And people
0: push back on this. Why? This, to me, is a very, very detailed account of a pretty reliable explorer. Right. I mean, come on. How many people do you you got Magellan? You got, uh, you know... it's
1: their it's, work only counts when we want it to count.
0: I mean, this is De Soto. They <laughs> well, they all wrote about this, right. you know, in that, and they had the the Spanish church, um, you know, friars and and uh, people from the church that would write down accounts as well. Right. Um, I mean, wow, that is such Actually. a detailed account.
2: You mentioned people of the church in um, in fifteen oh eight. Pedro the martyr, his name was. He was the um, head. Uh, I guess he was a representative of the Vatican in Granada on the island of Granada, okay. and he had heard about the giants in Aruba, what is now Aruba, and he wanted to show proof of the giants to the Vatican. So he somehow was able to acquire a femur. Oh of a skeletal remains of the giants, um, here in Aruba. And he sent it with someone <laughs> on a ship to go back to the Vatican so it could be presented. And, uh, it never made it to the Vatican, the femur, and no one knows whatever happened to it again. So there was an attempt, um, by the, again, the, the, the Catholic Church, the Vatican to, Preserve this this knowledge, and um, sadly, I'm 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 positive it was stolen. I yeah. would think. I don't think um, there's really any other way to look at it other than that.
3: But don't, um, or my my just, my. Or don't these stories
0: just repeat over like, and over? Whether it's the Smithsonian if or if it, the Vatican, even if it like, made it to the Vatican, how many times do we have a priceless artifact, right. or proof? Well, they have lots that, of them right hey, now. Hey, guess what? It's lost in transit, lost yeah. in shipping. They have hundreds, uh, someone of thousands stole of them
1: right now. Yeah.
0: Oh that but bones in the Vatican. Even
1: if it got to the Vatican, what we're never gonna know. Yeah. Right.
2: I it, it's Audit a repository it is a
1: repository of information that is invaluable and I I, I don't know what it takes so to get in there, but you do have, to scholars, have some credentials.
0: Uh, do they rebuke Vespucci's story? What do they say about this account? I would love to know the excuse. Right. What's the other side of the
2: coin? Well, in the beginning of the researchers, and I'm talking about maybe in the early late 1800s or early 1900s when the first archaeological expeditions and excavations occurred of the giant burials, um, there was a lot of Mm. um, them trying to... uh, just the, just basically say that Vespucci, what Vespucci was saying was hyperbole mm-hmm. and um, tried to discredit what he was saying. Right. And then in 1970, there was an independent researcher who happened to be also very wealthy named Christopher angles. And he was convinced in Vespucci being accurate. And he was the first person to unearth and put on display some giant remains that he had uncovered at the largest uh, cemetery here on the island called the Malmuk cemetery, where as of today, at least 79 burials have been unearthed, but there are more, but they, they just stopped um, uncovering the burials because it was just so expansive. And now the site is actually protected and there's no building that can go on there or anything, but that's good. Um, he he actually had unearthed two skulls and he couldn't find anyone to uh, research them and look at them and, in a scientific way until he finally found this woman who was the head of the Tropical Museum, which is still in Amsterdam, the Netherlands wow. to this day. And she flew over uh, to actually Curacao and looked at the skulls and did an analysis, a detailed a scientific analysis and determined that the skulls were the largest skull she had ever seen hmm. one of the skulls actually still had its hand fused to its skull because they were put in almost like a um right. a playing oh, uh, like on your
0: hand oh like God. This.
2: Right, right, like, with their legs curled. Sure, um, right. You know, almost, oh, uh, uh, like you know, a
1: fetal, fetal position. Oh, fetal
2: position, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um, the so hand yeah, was right. still fused to the side of the skull, and her analysis of that hand was that it was the largest hand she had ever seen. And she said, there's no mo- no humans alive that I can compare the size of these people to, other than this uh, one uh, tribe of Native Americans from Florida that she Mentions, but she still wow. says she believes that their stature in Aruba were much, were much larger in terms of um, width and and um, entire size, not just height, but also right. width and their bones were thicker. And then, so she, so those skulls were actually on display for some time in the Curacao Museum. And you'll love this. So oh. when I um, called them, the curator of the museum, to ask about the skulls, I was told that the museum had recently gone through a renovation and these skulls disappeared. I knew you were going to say <laughs> that. God! aren't there anymore. I mean, it's just <sighs> so upsetting. Can, so it's, it's, can it's we like just the
1: pause for my from head to Of Oz going missing and being lost in a storage unit, like, pardon me, but crap like that, where
0: it's like very important shit like that,
1: important things like that, not just something
0: small. Let's just pause for a second while my head is the ruby slippers. This makes me angry because when you start digging into um, this, same stories over and over again in Ohio. Miami'sburg bound, they uncovered nine, a nine footer. You know these giant swords, these copper gorgets. The artwork is fantastic. The the artistry, the the advancement that they put them on display at the damn town hall, and then the Smithsonian comes in, writes a whole article. How yes, we came here and studied these giant skeletons. Right. Well, yep. we took the bones time and time again. The the townspeople, the mayor, con- constantly well, contacting the, the Smithsonian, going, "Where's the bones? Right. You came here and took our." It, you know, it's the highest level of authority with the gone. highest Never amount heard of
1: incompetency. Well, right. That too. Like, it, it's the official, you know, keepers of the truth and the history, and they show up and they're like they're like Mr. Magoo or like Mr. Bean. You know, they like destroy something and they're like, oh well. Just sorry, guys. We had it. Shucks, we'll have to get one more, you know.
0: But then the next Next generation generation, the problem is is that the next generation of the people that are part of these institutions go by the same narrative that the person before them was told. That the person before them was told. But that's what you just said the narrative. You don't question the filtration of the academic. The, the basically the view or the what this is our stance right. from the Bureau of Ethnology and the Smithsonian and right. the formation, John Wesley Powell. Yep. They're moving forward. There are no giants. Like you said, there are no giants. We will not discuss giants. And right. from then on, I mean, that's the 1800s already. They had made their mind up. We're not talking about giants. So if you have a, a young, eager anthropologist, archaeologist that uncovers Giant skeletons. Guess what? You're not talking about it. You're not writing a paper about it. You're going to be discredited. You're going to be written in the newspapers. Right. You're going to be written right. publications that well, are going to totally ruin your life.
1: Our guest that wouldn't say that she had Bigfoot encounters during her whole career where she no. was in the government because she's like, I can't. Yep. You know, there's there's a lot of people walking around that probably have these kind of stories but Tons just cannot information. So, maybe that lid will keep lifting as people either exit those, you know, lines of work or professions and they are right able to speak on it. But yeah, it just seems like time and time again those that should take care of something and have it on display for the record keeping.
0: Gatekeepers, man.
1: Yeah, knowledge I'm sick filtering. Of these
0: gatekeepers yeah. more than anything, it's like you know, you find out about this completely being them showing up and taking this away. So every time you stumble across something like that, does it just infuriate you or does it make you want to keep going and going because you feel like you're getting closer yeah. to the truth? Well, if they're trying to hide this. I'm on to something. You know you're over the target. Yeah.
2: Well, I you know, I, I am working on repatriating the skulls mm-hmm. because they should be in Aruba, uh-huh. um, but I can't find them. I even called University of Leiden um, to try to see if they were there. Now, they were written about in the Reading Eagle in 1980. Mm-hmm. Um, a journalist actually came to Curacao, to the Curacao Museum, which is still here in Curacao, and tried to uh, and went to see the museum and wrote up a whole uh, article about how wonderful the museum was. And um then she briefly mentions how in the basement of the museum are two skulls of a giant race of people who lived on the islands. And they um these are the skulls of the giants and they were considered Amazing. to be over eight feet tall. So she doesn't have any pictures but she does have the description and what the what they right. said next to the skulls. Right. But I will tell you something positive though that's um actually very important and um and so sadly overlooked in 1980 um in the island of bonaire which is part of the abc islands um they were building a bus stop and they uncovered a giant skeleton and they gave it over to the archaeologists who did research on it. And at the conclusion, the, the actual the archaeological report is called the Bonaire Skeleton. And the conclusion of the um, investigators was that Uh, And and literally, it's stated in the conclusion by the archaeologists that Vespucci has been vindicated, Mm. that this skeleton proves that there were, in fact, giants in the ABC Islands, and that this skeleton was definitely of giant stature. And that skeleton, as of 2019, when I saw it, is still in a private archaeology museum in Bonaire, in the capital and so it is a small museum that's sometimes open sometimes not it's uh, crumpled up in a little pile in a box in a corner of a very cluttered room and it's this giant skeleton this enormous skull uh, uh, another facet of the giants here are that their skulls were elongated so mm-hmm. it's this giant elongated skull how how, how, the whole skeleton. how,
1: how tall sorry to stop you but when we say giant like she said eight foot it's so they're estimating
2: the that this giant could have been eight foot or more this yeah. particular skeleton remains i think now now you qualifies. know that's a giant, and, really. but also the the way they figure out how tall the, the skeletons first of all shrink, especially this one. They're okay. they're estimating that it could have been about eight hundred
1: years old because of the discs the, and everything in the spine go away. And and I lose think that.
2: just also the um, just the way that skeletons generally um decompose not you know in the decomposition process also in this climate too oh, um which were oh, okay. semi arid yeah. region so they because of the degradation of the actual measurements of the skeletal remains anywhere globally height is determined by a mathematical equation Mm -hmm. so it really isn't determined by measuring the bones using that as a guideline in a sense but then they extrapolate out using a mathematical equation so you and they show you in the um, archaeological report how they plugged in numbers to come up with it and their most conservative numbers that they put in the equation came up with a little over eight feet tall so it was the conclusion of the investigators that even though that was the those were the numbers that came out of the equation that they believed that the that the skeleton was actually taller in life than eight feet tall that's wow. so, That's tall. So, if you ever go to Bonaire, and, and that's one of my first trips I'm going to do, I just you know recently moved to Aruba five months ago, but my first trip will be to go back to Bonaire and to see if the skeleton is still there. The museum has acquired a new owner, so that makes me a little nervous, and I haven't met anyone who's seen the skeleton. I don't even think most people go to this museum because mm-hmm. you don't even realize, it. and there's so many millions of other things to do in Bonaire people don't even they overlook this museum but it's actually one of the best museums I've ever been to in the Caribbean and has so many amazing artifacts um but it's um sometimes it's by appointment only Mm -hmm. and so I'm hopeful to be able to give an update as soon as I get back to Bonaire.
1: Nice. Yeah, you're definitely making me blow up that blow uh, up the spot. Aruba on my uh, destination list.
0: We gotta blow up that museum. Let people know about that museum.
1: I would love to go down there. Maybe not during windy season. Maybe I'll go when it's a little bit more chill (laughs) on the wind,
0: but uh
3: well, yes, good idea.
0: You talk about the elongated skulls. It reminds me of Caracas. You know, the Peruvian, the Chilean, mm-hmm. uh, the Atacama Desert, and down there is kind of where you find these elongated skulls. Some of them have red hair that you can still see on the skulls. Is that what we're in? In close to relationship is that to me? That seems right in line with Caracas and Peru and all the all those places down there.
2: Yes, well, I've been to, I've seen the Paraca, some of the Paracas skulls in the uh, Lima Archaeology Museum in Peru. Mm-hmm. Um, and there, the elongation of those, and I'm not quite sure they were giants, at least not the skulls that I saw, okay. um, uh, unless they had little skulls really big bodies i only saw skulls um but they didn't appear although the skull did appear large and highly bizarre looking because it's very it's elongated so greatly i mean it's clear as day it's no denying it um the elongation of the paracas skulls was up like a Mm. like a cone head oh but the Elongation of the giants here in the Caribbean was up and back. Mm. So it was uh, an elongation that put a large part of the weight of the brain case towards the back of the skull. So they had very high foreheads, but then their skulls went back, kind of like um, Akhenaten, Tutankhamen, Lina, how they had those very uh, Nefertiti, even those long, the the, the elongation was up the high forehead and then further back it was elongated Mm -hmm. and this was um this uh anatomical difference is um accompanied by a different location where the neck uh, connects to the skull to accommodate for this massive amount of weight of the brain at the back of the skull so everything's a little shifted the eye sockets where the ears are where the skull connects Mm. to um the the neck and also the jaw so there were definitely anatomical differences in the elongation of the giants here and the paracus giants uh, or the paracus elongated skull people as well so so they're there they're... could be you know um there are researchers who say that perhaps the uh the later the the the, the first Group were the elongated skulls of Paracas people, and then these hybrid elongated skull people came about, such as the giants of Aruba, Bonaire, mm-hmm. and Curacao, and that's why they have this different elongation. And that's something that should be researched further, I think, because that's that actually could make sense. I don't know what the hybridization would be, um, the the Paracas with someone else. I'm not quite sure what that other species. Would would be but um it definitely is an interesting topic to explore further
1: yeah what what is the the storyline of so we we have the story of the giants where do they go from there what's the history line of that civilization or culture what even finding the remains and the burials did they just have a dying off of the uh, you know culture or the species itself um was there a war what does anybody know what happened to them or where they went
2: well, um, it, interestingly, in um, in the early 2000s and 2003, there were a series of scientists who came to Aruba to do a genetic yep. um, analysis of the local Aruban population. And one of the qualifications to be a part of this scientific research was that you had to be an Aruban that had, had several generations going back who were in Aruba, that right. you didn't come from Dominican Republic or okay. you didn't come from europe or something that you really had your roots in aruba and right. they came up with a pool of people and did a mitochondrial analysis uh mitochondrial dna analysis and they determined that the modern people of aruba retain a large percentage of this ancient archaic dna that they presumed is from the archaic giants of aruba wow. the archaic people so what i think wow occurred um you know not far from where i sit i can look out my window and stare at this ancient cave site and this site houses what i think is a birthing chamber um mm. firstly because it's so um almost impossible to get to it's just one of the craziest hikes you'll ever do you actually have to go high climb up using a, a, a vine at some point. Oh. Um, and once you get there, you there's a petroglyph of a pregnant woman um, and she's a woman who has a, a, a shroud on and then has a baby in her womb. And then there are tick marks on the wall. And there aren't many tick marks. And I believe that those tick marks are births. So if you look and see that there weren't a lot of births of giants, right. uh, probably because of the anecdotes anatomical um, peculiarities of uh, an elongated skull and giving birth to babies with elongated skulls. Obviously, the primitive nature of it all, it, having it occur in a cave. Um, so, these, although they were probably the elite ruling class, the dominant um, people of society, they probably started to eventually die out. And what they, what I, what I believe to be the case, and what the mitochondrial DNA kind of shows, is that. There were average statured people here at the same time as the giants, and they were probably being ruled over by the giants. And at some point, right. in order to preserve their species, they began to um, mate with the average statured mm. people, and then that's what I believe happened to gotcha. the giants. They just mated themselves out, sure, um, and uh, out of a, a desire to survive.
0: Uh, Absolutely. And if you look back through really ancient accounts, you know, you have like... The people that were 32 foot tall or 18 foot tall. And it seems like the further back you go <clears throat> when you're talking about the king's list of Egypt or the Sumerian king's list. I mean, they show the the carvings and the, the cartouches of these little people, fully grown people sitting Next on the knees giants. of the gods. Yeah. And they're just like 40 feet tall. Yeah. So, you know, as you kind of your civilization decays, I would imagine that. These folks just kept getting smaller and smaller and smaller until there's no breeding population and they're kind of run out. Well, and again, think about our
1: memory, how short-term we are of like, we can't imagine 100 years ago. I mean,
0: we're barely right? a country we, for We, two, can't, we can't
1: imagine the, the 1800s in the Old West right now. Right. Yeah, we're, so we can't do it. A lot of people can't. But if you can really... Kind of dial your mind and go, you know what, but if you crank this back this amount of million years ago, there were dinosaurs here and at this if you crank it back, it could have been. But a lot of people just Well, I'll they're tell not you, good at that. They don't you have see that
0: mental M's capacity. comment in the chat. Uh, uh, uh no. And M's uh, the Navajo connection. Oh, okay. Uh, M's Native American, and she's uh, hangs out oh. on our show. But she's talking about the Navajo's connection with giants and the stories of that. So to wow. me, that those stories right. of the Native Americans here in the U.S. are way more credible, and the accounts from their oral traditions than any you know
1: Smithsonian guy in the eighteen hundreds that yeah.
0: yeah, exactly is yeah. is teaching a course you know, for the next 150 years of what they think happened. Right.
1: Well, I was going to ask her that from going from the Aruban giants. I know I saw photos on one of your social media of you at Easter Island with the the Moai statues. And um, have you seen not only in Aruba, but have you gone other places? And we've talked about some of your friends in the same kind of sphere of influence of, Mm -hmm. you know, getting into giants. You've researched elsewhere, I would assume, as well, right? Do you find these kind of similar themes from... Aruba to these other locations of kind of the stature of them, the habits of the giants, the, yeah. the oral legend is Mike's kind of referring to as well. Of, How know, it lines up right. a lot of
0: other places. And they kind of tie back
2: yes. to each other. Definitely. So, in you know, when I traveled to Easter Island, I um, hired a private guide and he was an archaeologist. So he, well, his uh, parents actually were the ones who helped um, – with the with the country of Japan, design and create uh, machinery to lift the moai. Um, that had been toppled due to a tsunami and put them back on their platform. Oh. Uh, they were so large and so heavy and, and so cumbersome that they actually had to invent machinery and bring it over in pieces and container ships from Japan and then put it together, hoping it would work to actually place these Moai back on the Ahu or the platform. So he was the son of the, the two archaeologists who did this and so i asked him how do you think then that they the people put the moai on on the platforms and he said the moai walk yes so he is a very he is a guy who's yeah. an archaeologist his his parents are teachers in in the university and chile and santiago at archaeology they've been on pbs shows they are you know they that's what they believe yeah. and and he is a was a native uh, Rapa Nguyen, mm-hmm. he and his parents, and, and he grew up there and he said, no, they, they walked and, how they were activated, how they got the mana, which was the mana was the the in, the spirit, almost the intrinsic power that gave them the ability to walk, was when they had their eyes inserted. Mm-hmm. So the Moai came to life when they had their eyes put into the statues and the eyes were made of coral. So interestingly, I, and I'll be posting about this on Easter. Um, I'll be posting in detail about it on my Substack about how coral and these ancient sites also are connected here in Aruba. I just came across a petroglyph site that I had been looking for for about 20 years. And it's um, it's incredible and it's very weird. And on the base of this petroglyph site are all these fossilized pieces of corals, mm. um, sea fans and sea sponges that are all fossilized. So there's definitely, and all of the rituals that were done by the giants on these islands were done on limestone. And the limestone, in this case, are fossilized sea creatures, Mm -hmm. so former corals. So there's something with coral in this connection to some sort of ritual and, I believe, spiritual realm. And I think it is connected to the fact that the coral has a crystalline structure, Mm -hmm. that limestone has a crystalline structure. Structure and that crystals um, hold all types of information. And there, there, there is a repeated um, reference of coral and these ancient sites, particularly in the islands territories, um, such as Rapa Nui and such as Aruba. So that was one theme that I found so intriguing was this belief that coral actually brought of stones to life mm-hmm. and um and could very well maybe have been doing something similar in terms of an energy source here in Aruba um, and also, you know, there's that connection with the solstices in the equinoxes, the same things that, you know, there's a, there are Moai that just meet the wind, the, the, actually the four handed Moai. Um, he greets the winter solstice sunrise. He's one of the handful of Moai on the entire island that looks out, um, into the water towards the water and he stands alone. It's very, very strange Moai. It's inland and his uh, seems his whole purpose is just to greet the sunrise on the winter solstice, and uh, and that's a global oh, phenomenon is so this wild. measurement of the solstices and the equinoxes and supermoons right. and sometimes also Venus, and you have those sites here in Aruba too.
0: Man, that blows my mind. You can't get away from that. That you just find everywhere. Here in Ohio, we have a ton of lim- limestone, so southern Ohio was a part of an ancient seabed. Right. So you'll find a lot of sites. Um, you know the Miamisburg Mound. There, some people think that it was encased with limestone casing, mm-hmm. and that the Miamisburg Mound was actually a pyramid. Um, that there's remnants of of uh, a limestone mine that's just south of there, okay. where they were pulling this stuff out and encasing mounds in Ohio with limestone. So knew that's been they knew what 100% was hundred percent right. in line with what you see here. Um, you know the the newer Stone was actually she pulled out of a mound that was encased in limestone they took yeah. all of the stone to basically build i70 One of the highways, they had to build up a berm. This thing was huge. They took it apart to use it for material. Well, there was clay encased. There's all these sand clay. Then within the clay, they had this box that was made of wood. The box was all rotten out. And then within that was where they found the keystones that have the uh, ancient Hebrew writing on them. And then another stone that's a box that has this other, the Decalogue stone, which tells the story of... Moses's Exodus from uh, Egypt in a mound in Ohio that's encased with limestone. Yeah. Oh, but it's fake. Yeah, it's another this one is of those that's not real. This uh, the doctor and the, the the Freemason that dug it up was interested in the lost tribes of Israel. So uh, you know he's trying to point all these. Conclusions, Which is the big thing of why they say it's fake because right. he was trying to fit this narrative that the Freemasons and a lot of people back then thought that Israelites had made their way here. Ancient Jews had made their way here to America, yeah. which – a lot of people did. The Vikings did. The we know the Knights Templar was here. You see the the cross. The yeah. um, you had a lot of Templar people. cross all over the place. Well,
1: even to Tamil, even to the the Turtle Island the theory, people.
0: Uh, you know, and and yep.
1: Arisa uh, Balu. Um, I just wonder, like, what what and where and how did these giants? They were not just in Aruba. They're in the Americas. They're in the South Americas. Global. They're everywhere. What? what? <laughs> You're shocked. Why are <laughs> they still? I, 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 you, you would think. How I, do we not have something? Maybe even with like the Homo Floriensis article, right? I don't know if you saw this or not. They, you know, the people on these islands go, yeah, of course, I know the floor is. Homo floresis. this little tiny person. They're still here. The Hobbit creature. We see them. They live here. We, yeah, they're alive yet. Like they didn't die off. And I wonder the same. Like you know, it, or the giants kind of just. Slip away and are they, you know, That's reclusive? That's what she was saying earlier.
0: Yeah. They just kind of—their culture and their their line just kind of petered out and, you know— You'd think there may be some left. But here's the—the th- the problem I Stragglers. have is the history that she's digging up yeah. to find all this evidence and to find these connections with limestone in Ohio, limestone in Aruba. I mean— they're and using the same building materials it's resonating you know it's if you look energy
1: into conductor right it's a power conductor crystalline material well they look at ultrasound machines are made with you know quartz crystals mhm you know the piezo effect mhm um so you know it's there's a root in modern medicine with it so why wouldn't there be a uh, an ability that again but people just think that things like this can't be real yep. yeah, just because it, it's 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 not taught about. It's not talked
0: about. We actually have. uh, Whoa, she's talking about these alignments. Is this
1: one? This is one of her photos.
0: This is a recent post from Heather's Facebook. uh, Facebook post. Oh wow! And we're gonna we can have Heather kind of walk us through. Uh, these images, but we're obsessed with archaeoastronomy on this show. We I don't understand it a lot, but um, this stuff fascinates me. Um, and again, once you get into this giant's world and these kind of things, like Heather's doing, she's going down this line, eventually you discover archaeoastronomy. Happened to Ross Hamilton, happened to Jeffrey Wilson, <clears throat> happened to Tom, happens to the dowsers that visit Serpent Mound, that all of a sudden now there's, they, too, they, there's just, too
1: many for them to be a coincidence.
0: Yeah, there's Dr. Many to Malville be like, oh, and well, they just Canyon. must
1: have gotten lucky right <laughs> like no come on like we can give some we not just give some we can give credit to a time and a civilization and culture that we deem lesser cuz they didn't have iPhones and yeah you know they, they didn't have cities and cars or well they, they had cities but they didn't have famous. you know skyscrapers and what have you but it, mm-hmm. we are not good we're not good at going back in time and saying oh gosh I can definitely imagine being in the in the old west like we can't go back that far we don't like to give credit to older civilizations no. and say they probably knew way more than we knew they're setting up all of these earthworks and, and effigy mounds and sites and Ancient stone statues structures. on Easter Island that, yeah. you know, point in bizarre directions that don't go with any of the other statues. There's a reason for it. It's not by happenstance. Mm-hmm. It's not by chance. It's not luck. You know, we need to give all the credit due to those kind of places.
0: I agree. Heather, you want to walk us through this first image? This is before kind of the before image. That's so cool.
2: Yeah, so I had been looking at this image for about twenty years. Um, I actually used to live not far from this megalithic stone site called Io Rock Formation. As a matter of fact, in the tour books, you'll find they're often described as looking like a giant's playground, Mm. um, which is interesting terminology. And whenever I see that terminology referencing these these sites, these ancient sites, I always think there's a connection into um, a a deeper reality. So um, I always knew that there had to be a purpose for this. The the whole, period to be worked um, mm, right. this is a um, massive monolith of diorite and um, the okay. entire site is diorite not far from this is an actually very intriguing petroglyph panel um, that now as i'm connecting it with other sites very close to it i think it's telling the story of what goes on um, at this site in terms of these megaliths and monoliths and the different celestial events. So I was able to get to this site before sunrise on the spring equinox and realized that this was a spring equinox sunrise marker. So the hole is the area at which the sun will clear the hills in the distance, which you can't see from this angle from that photo, but the ancient people, they knew that there were hills and that even though the sun had risen, it had to clear um, those hills in order to hit at the right angle Hmm. to go through that hole. And that's exactly what happens um, at that moment. So the sun beams right through that hole um, and from one side the entire monolith almost looks like a bat and from the other side it's almost got two faces it's very strange um it's clearly see this is when i think it looks kind of like a bat mm-hmm. um which is very strange. So this is when now the sun has moved. So first it goes through the hole mm. and then it moves up into this other cutout that's made, this huge this U-shaped cutout. And then it reaches through there and then it will disappear into the sky. So it it's marking specific hours of the sunrise event occurring on the spring equinox, which is is very bizarre. It also has um at its base, which is, again, a globally seen phenomena of um, a a stone chair cut out into the monolith in order to properly orient the viewer to witness the event, That's and amazing. I had done um, documenting of stone chairs to witness these celestial events um, in a couple of my posts. You'll find on Facebook, and in that, and that could be a whole other um, series of research that you Never could go down for the rest wow. of your life. Awesome
0: wow that's incredible
2: um yeah this is this site um what i i I was so excited i couldn't believe it because uh, in winter in the winter solstice sunrise uh almost adjacent to this is a balanced stone a dolmen that i never had seen before except for that morning which was so incredible and it Mm. is also a marker that marks the uh winter solstice sunrise and also accounts for for the hills in the distance um obscuring the view until a certain time when the sun can directly go through that hole but this was the newest discovery that i made um on the spring equinox which is um it was truly incredible and i was i was so that's incredible good for you heather wow this is super to important to finally get to see it i i, I always had a hunch Yes, it is. And it and it just shows again this global connection between right. what was going on here yep. at least seven thousand years ago and what was going on globally, the same obsession with tracking these celestial events.
0: Right. I mean, it really is incredible. And this is kind Pretty of accurate uh, there. Jeez I'm... that's another Yeah. Where now it's in so it's, like, like what she was right. saying. Right. So
2: th- so that's the point at which it finally reaches above the hills, the right, sun, right. Um, and then that, that's when they would be able to view it. So right. they they clearly accounted for this. I mean, this was very specific. They they knew that even though the sun had risen from this vantage point, you would not be able to see it until right. about 715, 718 around that time.
1: And you said this was a um, a monolith of diorite? yeah the hardest stones in the world. I was just about exactly. to say, that's a labor of love. Oh, that's yes. so hard to carve. At that dude. time.
2: It, right. And how did they cut through it? I mean... Without breaking it, just, it too.
1: But, yeah, to make that...
2: and Without breaking it. And, and this mm-hmm. is not the only Drilled. site where they've made holes to do... They've made holes to make um, creatures such... There's a rock called monkey rock that they've made holes to make it look like a monkey. This they've worked Aruba. the stone. This all in Aruba. Yeah, this I'm is, going. These are all in Aruba. I'm going. Yeah, so it's so this is um so they really they they somehow knew how to get these holes in these stones. Um maybe they were you know still uh liquid at that time. I don't mm. know. I, I mean, maybe they were able to do something to liquefy it. Maybe like, they had some tool that we don't know of or right. a stone they were able to work to get through this. I'm, I I don't know how they did it. But but, and the, and just the entire cutout even above that oh, yeah. was also worked. Mm-hmm. So they were able to do this in such a way, as well as the chair. They worked the chair too. So, um, yeah, it's, it's Putting I don't know. If it's,
0: well, you know yeah. how out Sacsayhuaman and in Cusco and they have all these really massive stone that literally look like they were poured into place. You can't even fit a human hair or a piece of paper in between them. They look like they were molded in these jigsaw puzzle ways. It's in Egypt you find them. You know, they look like – almost like the diorite was melted and then – poured or formed somehow with some kind of sonic technology or who the hell knows what they were
2: doing, but it's similar stuff. Yeah. I mean, we, we find footprints here too, in Aruba, in the diorite. So we have, uh, I've been shown giant footprints in diorite. So there's a, a,
3: sorry, sorry.
2: I don't know if I have a picture picture of it. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if I have it on my Facebook, but for sure no I'll worries. be putting it up again on on how, Substack. I, how
0: do they explain that? The getting the footprint. Well, in. you know that one in South America with Michael Tellinger. right. Like that how, giant foot, Michael Tellinger's footprint. But that's sideways. It's weird because it's and this in is a Iraq. big
1: footprint, right? It's not a. Uh, it's, like, a
2: it's a big footprint. So, so are these giants like
1: that's walking over coals for them? You know, the 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 lava flow comes out, and they're like, "Get going, Ted." You know, it's your that's turn. That's what I'm
2: thinking. I mean, are <laughs> they are they walking on hot lava? I mean, it's a rite I of passage,
1: know. you know. Yeah, maybe that's. I, you.
2: I cannot figure out how they did it. I, I don't know right. if they carved it or if it's their actual footprint Hmm, Um, and and where they are, there's one whole stone not far from where I am. It's, it's, thank goodness, it's a protected site. I mean, protected in that no one really knows about it except the people who lived in Aruba, grew up in Aruba, and that's who actually showed me the site. Um, It's on a flat, another huge diorite stone that's almost flat at the top, which is actually kind of odd in and of itself. And there are a bunch of footprints is it this one here um, no no that's, no, that's okay. the same stone though that's just the that's one stone. we just looked at
0: from the other side
2: yes from Get the out. other side look at that so, so
1: that's the carved on the bottom the, the both of them but right. the, the smaller one on the bottom where it clears the hills and the then the, the notch on the top
2: right how it's so drilled. that and if you look closely at that which i which i've zoomed in it, it looks like a face on the mm-hmm. bottom so mm-hmm. it almost looks like two eyes and oh, one yeah, of those yeah, eyes yeah. is a hole
3: Oh yeah. And the
2: seat is like the mouse. So that's where you would sit and you would witness that sun coming in There's and going the into the hole. That's yes. crazy. This is too crazy.
1: Okay. And that's yeah,
2: diorite. And that's diorite. Bro, yes. that
0: is such a
1: hard Does stone. anybody else know about this or go to this place and and know about this? Uh oh, yeah. line.
2: No one knows about it until I discovered it, and then I just um, actually last night met with the head of archaeology at the archaeology museum. Oh wow! And um, I told him, I said, I want to share with you what I've I discovered over at Iowa Rock Formation. So
1: you're Indiana Jones. Told me, Hold on, you're, you're this really, is breaking yeah, yeah. news. That's what for I'm our saying. show. This is I've big never time. done this. <laughs> That, yeah. that, that's like so Indiana a little special. Jones type stuff. That's awesome. That is amazing. So, yeah. cool. so what so, did he say when you brought that to him? Wow.
2: Well, of course, he's always, um, he, you know, I think always skeptical, always yeah, yeah. pushing back. Yeah. But yeah, he fine. knows that I'm, you know, I, I come with the goods. I come with being that. Come with receipts. It. Right. Yeah. Yes. And coming, not just, <laughs> oh, I think, you know, or I looked on Google. No, right. I'm actually going. I'm yeah. waking up at five in the morning. I'm going to the site. You're there I'm when it government. happens.
1: Right. Exactly.
2: Right. I, I, and so he and he knows that I, I actually do the work. So he respects it. And he was shocked about it. And he was okay. also shocked about the winter solstice alignment. And he knows that there is a global phenomena of ancient cultures documenting these celestial events right and that it would make sense that aruba would be part of it so right. oh. um yeah he was he was intrigued and um and i showed him the pictures so it's he incorporates um some of my work actually in his lectures now which is That's um so cool. quite impressive
1: congratulations congratulations on that. That. That's, I'm thank you speechless. breaking That's news so everybody neat.
2: Uh, I was going to say,
1: too, with the alignments, you know, if we there probably is a compendium of all the different locations and different cultures and tribes and and, uh, peoples of the times that were building these sites that were celestially aligned. I'm sure there is. And that's probably a lengthy book. I have to ask, because anytime that we have a guest that goes down this road, have you heard of Michael Cremo? Yes. Okay. Thank you. That's all I, that's this. all I gotta well, go shit. with. Mike knows that I could be a fire hydrant of Michael Cremo. And so I <laughs> I try not to, but I find him endlessly interesting because of his stance that he says, I'm just taking the data that yeah. actual geologist and archaeologist and anthropologist and whatever scientist of the day and age found. And got ostracized because they were saying, I found something that's 200,000, 2 million artifacts. to 6 million yeah. years. You know, he, he just has so many examples where it's so unbelievable. And he's kind of the first uh, introduction I had to the knowledge filtration system of how he talks about it. Like, you know, yeah. it doesn't get accepted. And so he's like, it's it's outlier information that it's real But they just don't put it within that, you know, that scope that everybody sees. So when you start talking about it, people go, you're crazy. And you're like, no, this is real. Like, it's so frustrating to say it is real. And, you know, it's cross-referenced. And, um, you know, kind of the interesting ones are when, say, an archaeologist digs something up or an anthropologist and they take it to a geologist that they study it and go, yeah, from my study, based on the rock and strata, your your item is uh, 600,000 years old. And then everybody goes, you know, that can't work out. Whoa, whoa, whoa. And Hold on now. So a lot of people get ostracized and you get people that get their careers ruined and it's kind of the whole, you know, not mentioning giants or Bigfoot or anything that, you know, can discredit you. So a lot of people walk that fine line. So there have to have been discoveries as well where people just like, I don't want to touch this with a 10-foot pole. And they won't. Bury it. They won't. Don't t- don't but talk about it. You know, there, there's got to be a lot of that that happens yes. like an underground of archaeology.
2: Well, even one of the archaeological reports and all my information about the giants and their skeletal remains, I obtained from the archaeological record. So right. this one, um, the first, the largest skull ever found thus far was in th- these caves called Hato in Curacao, and it was over a foot long. And it was found Sweet in uh, 1904 by a German or, um, a researcher uh, who actually specialized in elongated skulls so this was his thing so he found the skulls he saw the skull firsthand he was actually tipped off about it from a local person in curacao and he was given the skull he took the measurements and uh and did an entire report on it. and then later um are in the 1950s archaeologists revisited his um, analysis of the skull that he actually saw firsthand these other these uh, um, later archaeologists did not see the uh, skull firsthand and he they archaeologists said well his um, measurements must be wrong because mm-hmm. these are too big and it doesn't fit in with there all the go. other things that we propose were going on in the uh, 5,000 years ago in on the island. So we're going to change his numbers, and they literally change his numbers. And this goes on a lot in archaeology, where uh, later archaeologists will look at what someone who actually had firsthand knowledge wrote down and measured, and then it's just changed and contorted to suit whatever yes. the agenda is oh of the God. next group of investigators and and this is where that the it's knowledge so gets all blurry and clouded and forgotten right. and just shelved because if I had only seen that first report um, which actually I think is how I found the original report I actually had to bribe this woman um, in, <laughs> in a museum uh, in an, a library at the University of Leiden in the Netherlands to copy to take screenshots and, and send me an email of this because it only one place you can find this archaeological report of the, from 19, 1904 of the initial analysis of the largest skull, and I was able to get her to send it to me, which was so great because I have that um, that research. Why does she I not think, want to? Which is well a- because it's a uh, a university library, and uh, you have to be a student right. or oh. a yeah, of professor. You know, and interestingly, a a lot of the archaeological reports I do obtain about the giants from the analysis here on the islands um, are from. university uh, medical libraries mm. which is quite interesting so the medical community does look at these giants as mm. uh, an, uh, anomalies uh, of sure. uh, of humans so it's interesting that they would because if they're placed in medical libraries which you would think is based solely on science and then yet you bring up giants and then people tell you you're crazy it doesn't make sense you can't have it both ways it can't right. be scientifically right um, you know, it's found in science uh, libraries, and then when you report on what is found in the science library in the scientific record, that God. that's not true. Well, I mean, right. well, which one is it? Right. We well, have conflicting
1: why, information. there. You
2: know, Jeff
0: always talks about multidisciplinary work where you have sure. medical people studying it, anthropologists, right. archaeologists, right. astronomers, more than one geologists. On it. Right. Where you have these medical physicians, trained people, telling you. These are the measurements. This is what we found. Right. They're not an archaeologist saying, "Well, I'm going to hypothesize that." Well, because you know there just wasn't people back then that were this big, or there wasn't an ancient civilization. It's a fifteen thousand years ago. It's a theory. So this than can't a possibly be that old because there's no there's no culture that was ever that old. And then you have Göbekli Tepe. Well, it's like, well, actually, you know, there is a culture that's that old, and here it is, and we yep. have the proof. Yep. But they still don't budge. You know, the 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 dating of human beings keeps getting pushed back. Now it's like what a million some years of yeah. Homo sapien sapien being uh, discovered all the time. Yeah. Why wouldn't civilization be pushed back with that? yeah as well there's there's a
1: joke that like you measure the progress in science uh, communities by headstones cuz like you have to get somebody off their theory you have to get whoever's uh, ruling mentality or archetype of thought. You until have to you get wait until. You some young
0: guy coming in. That's either you need someone to
1: come in to blow yep. them out the door and be able Which to is, disrupt the chain of command, or you, you have, have to wait that until in they Egypt get out.
0: right now. You have uh, a little bit of turning over. Ibram, Abraham Ibram, mm-hmm. uh, an Egyptologist, those guys are kind of coming up and going. We're not putting up with this anymore, right. Zahi Hawass. We're not putting up with this close Well, with the new
1: tunnel found, too, and oh, the different they scans they're using. Oh, they need to just give it up. It's just slowest. give
0: up the data. <laughs> I'm so sick of it. You have it. You've been sitting on it for three years. Nobody knows what's in there. Of course you do. You know who they're going to have Stop reveal Stop fighting. Do you know? I heard they're going to have Geraldo Rivera reveal it. <sighs> Stop. You're joking. That's a joke. I know you're kidding. Anyways, small (laughs) derailment, Heather. We do that from time to time. No biggie. Um, I I think I got him a little bit with that. (laughs) I would love for you to meet our friend Jeffrey Wilson in a very similar situation that you're running into as he's digging in because he's got the receipts. All right. He he is going back into not just newspaper accounts. No, no. He's going He's to got the facts and receipts. the uh, the The Peabody Museum, for example, at Harvard, um, the Peabody Museum is what contains all the artifacts from the Serpent Mound from Ohio. Are there any artifacts from Serpent Mound in Ohio that we can go see? No, because they're at a Harvard museum. So Jeffrey took years and researched every piece that they took from Serpent Mound. And he took photos of all of it. And got all of the data, all of the writings, all of the photos, all of the scans. Yep. And found a postcard of a seven-foot giant Cut about a seven-foot seven foot giant skeleton mentioned in this old postcard. So, you know, he's digging in, trying to talk to Ohio History Connection. Well, do you have the data on all the other skeletons that were found with this from this mound? And they're telling him, well, 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 no, we, we we only measured the one skeleton. He's like, didn't you think to measure the other skeletons? There's to, more than one to compare. So what he had to do was essentially measure an artifact that was in found in the same area, mm-hmm. in the same mound, and then essentially made a scale from this one spearhead. Yeah, and then was able
1: to compare it to the size of the skeleton and the the size art. of the
0: skeleton and found out that it's over seven feet tall. Yeah. I mean, he tried to it wasn't find documented the record well. of from seems, Ohio History Connection. It, it could have been so simple for him to find that. It seems purposeful,
1: and I think a lot of people is. back in that time, you know, you, you bought the land. You had a mound. You just dug it up.
0: Well, you that kept was it, Harvard. You sold
1: it. You had a collection. I, it, that it happens, was Harvard, though. It, but, it, but even beyond Harvard, though, I'm saying, like, yeah, they had it, but— Maybe they're not as forthcoming with it. Obviously, you know we can't see a lot of the things or anything really brought out of Serpent amount. I don't know. Of well, Putnam grabbed it
0: all and brought it back to Harvard. Now it's right. in the Peabody Museum. But think
1: we, of all the things in private collections too. There's oh yeah, probably tons. somebody with you know a game room where you walk in to play billiards and they've got like a thirty foot tall skeleton. You're like, yeah. <laughs> sweet Jesus, where did you get that thing, Some Jeff billionaire? Yeah, you wouldn't believe what that cost me.
0: But, you know, Heather, it's just over and over again. We hear these stories from people and researchers like yourself, and it just tie for me, it just solidifies over and over and over again. Reinforces that something it. Something's being hidden. Uh, sure. You know, it, history is not what it seems. With the Aruban Giants, the Ohio Giants, the Kentucky Giants, the West Virginia, the list goes on and on. I mean— The Kandahar Giants. Kandahar Giants. Right. I mean— uh we actually have one more uh the image, and I don't know if this is a different site. It looks uh, different, but this is from your Facebook page as well. But this looks like a completely new monolith here. Looks kind of like a bear.
2: Yes. Yeah. So this this um was another discovery I made the same morning. So 15 minutes oh. before yes, it looks like a bear. So that's and I almost thought it also kind of looks like a bat. In a way, with its wings down, mm-hmm, um, and yeah. that being the head. So um, but I always felt it looked like a bear too, but there were no bears so far. The archaeological okay. record shows there were no bears, but it could maybe relate to a constellation, you never really know, but that's more detail I'll have to um uncover. But 15 minutes prior to the other monolith having this event with the um spring equinox sunrise going through the whole the sun as it rises again um, and has to clear a series of hills and again the ancient people accounted for it as the sun rises, it will come and touch the tip of the nose of this, um, this monolith. And after it touches the tip of this nose, then you can go to the other site and witness the sun going through the hole. So I believe these two monoliths. Yeah, that's it. So that's where it happens. So the sun t- it t- just t- taps the nose and then rises up and then goes over to the hills and at that moment it that when it hits the other set of hills is when the sun goes through that hole in the other monolith Whoa, that we just saw so, so these sites are connected oh, i believe i've yeah. always believed um as a matter of fact it's um it's 1.61 miles from this site to the site we saw Uh, with the hole from the site we saw with the hole it's one it's um 1.6 miles back to here so there there is uh so there's a a correlation between how far away the distance is between these two as well as when i told you about the caves so the caves are 3.85 miles from here if you connect it all it becomes a perfect isosceles triangle
1: shut the front door imagine that what? Yes.
3: It, it, <laughs> so you- I
2: saw softly- sleeping triangles where the giants were obsessed with uh, isosceles triangles they uh-huh. um so these so these sites create an isosceles triangle the instance of this occurring um by chance is 0.0001 percent wow. so this i believed was deliberate i think these sites are connected and the giants i know they were obsessed with isosceles triangles because that's how they buried their dead so in the largest cemetery here Mount Mook cemetery you'll find the burials repeatedly repeatedly show isosceles triangles with the giants being buried at the angle parts and then the lines of the triangle having average statured people
0: wow this is so and this
2: ice, and so they keep repeating isosceles oh triangles. Gosh. It's just um, it's just crazy. And along the lines of this oh, wow. isosceles triangle that's created by this site are petroglyph panels that run from the northwest to the southeast, repeatedly intersecting the island and intersecting all of the angles of the isosceles triangles. There's more isosceles triangles created on the island through these megalithic sites, um, but this is the most prominent.
3: Hmm.
0: And if you guys go to Heather's Facebook page, you can actually see that petroglyph. I apologize; I thought I had that downloaded. Oh, okay. Of the petroglyph where she's talking about these little right. triangles. Right. It's not. But done if you go show. to her Facebook page, the her the very last post. Like this is so recent. She, I believe this was yesterday when you posted this. <laughs> but that image is in there. Fresh. Um, but go check that out because I, I. Now that you're saying that, I was wondering what that image was my apologies for not putting it in here, but it's really uh, yeah compelling. That
2: uh, that image is called the twins. So, um, that's uh, pe- somewhat people think, and the local story goes that that petroglyph is called the twins. It's a very large petroglyph. Um, I also have a picture of me, not maybe in that post, but another post of me sitting next to it. It's, almost impossible to get to hmm. um and i i i'm sitting next to it for scale to show you how large that uh petroglyph is but it that petroglyph is found in between this site and the other site with the hole so i'm wondering if there's a correlation between these two monoliths being almost like twins and then the twins petroglyph showing up between the two of them sure. so um so that's another um, avenue that I'm
0: going to research further. Wow. You're going to uncover You have, you still have work to do. I mean, there's a lot of yes. things that
1: are lining here. up. <laughs> yeah. he's like,
0: quit talking to us, go find more stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and will you, uh, please let us know when, when you've, uh, dug oh, I'm into, so, e- I'm so excited. Even too, more and more information coming. I, and I'm sure this, amazing. this,
1: like she's saying, it's, Pretty recent discovery, like talking to, uh, I think you said, the, the uh, professor or head of a museum about your findings and trying to relay that information. So it's still early on in this process. Mm-hmm. Like, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, start, you know, we go to do our strange happenings, which is our kind of weekly news of, you know, uh, kind of outlier news topics. When we find, you know, a lot of archaeology and um, things of this nature with, you know, celestial alignments that we'll put on. I wouldn't be surprised. Like, hey, we we know the lady that actually cracked that nugget. You know, that's cool. That's so wild. Now, yeah, this in this direction crazy. that they're running, so it's 1.6 miles that direction to the other stone that we saw. Is there any more stones this direction, 1.6 miles, continuing on in that line? Did you can like go further out and see if there was anything else? Yes. Okay.
2: Yes. There are. So as a matter of fact, this stone here is part of the Kasabari rock formation, which has an enormous monolith. It almost looks like a mound made of tonalite. This is actually made of tonalite too, which is a form of diorite, a different color, um, just because of the different percentages of some of the um, the components of the stone. But the monolith of Kasabari, the, the actual, and that's also on my Facebook page, if you look it up. It actually stares out at another place that I'm, I can look at through my window, which is called Hoyberg, which is an extinct caldera. So okay. the the monolith of Casabari Rock Formation is exactly one half the size of Hoyberg. So these, I think, Casabari Rock Formation was completely worked, and right. that these stones may have been there, but then they were worked to accommodate. some sort of something that was going on, Um, not only uh, monitoring time, but distance, but also along those lines that I mentioned of the isosceles triangle, there are also balanced stones, and I have entire posts on all the balanced stones um, I've found so far in Aruba. It used to be nine, but now I'm up to 13. I've also shared that information with the Archaeology Museum, and now they incorporate that information in their research as well. And when they do lectures um, about there being balanced stones here, because Mm. these stones are massive monoliths. They are not connected to the stone beneath them. They are pointing in certain directions and they all kind of touch these lines of the isosceles triangles and the balanced stones run in the same direction and along the same axis as the petroglyph sites. Hmm. So all these okay. sites are connected. And I um, also have a map of the fault lines of Aruba and oh all of these sites go. also kind of correlate with the fault lines.
0: Yeah, we're these talking ley line do- energy system. Running through here, right. they're tracking it all. I mean, the balance stones have always been a point of reference for ley lines. Like when you go across right. seas in Europe, mm. um, you know, whether it's like um, in France, they have uh, those, gosh, what are they called? There's just big upright standing stones. And, I and think it's, I just, you're talking it's about. pulling energy to these sure. kind of larger structures. Um, You know, in the Northeast, you see dolmens and and balancing stones here in America. Um, They're markers, you know, and they're pulling energy or anchoring energy in some way. Um, but Capping i in. see the the cryptid huntress po- popped in maybe we'll have her do yeah. a, a remote view into the ancient past of aruba
1: <laughs> i actually need my i need my view changed i'm still looking at that the the picture of this yeah there we go i was like i was trying hard not to to look at the center screen because i was like i can't see anything we
0: got a lot of screens in here yeah yeah
1: <laughs> thanks donor it's like a small spaceship here there are screens <laughs> all around here um i find I'm always blown away when there's there's already the mystery of the giants and then that mystery just keeps unfolding like this lotus flower. Oh
0: my god, it never ends.
1: Unknown, either. right? It's just okay. like but there's also these petroglyphs and there's also these dolmens and then there's these balancing rocks and then there's these celestial it's
0: like ley lines.
1: What? There is a lot more to this story than just giants. Yeah. You know, there's a lot happening under the hood uh, down in Aruba and, yeah. and to a greater extent Everywhere. everywhere, And that's what, you know, it's kind of like the the whole phenomenon, not to say I don't want to come visit, but, you know, people think uh, I need to go to Hawaii or I need to go somewhere far away, uh, you know, New Zealand, Australia, whatever. It's like, no, no, you can explore your own backyard, your own city, your own town. There are places you probably haven't gone to. That was, you know, a very common thing when I lived in California for a short period of time. A lot of people that live there would, would say, what are you doing this weekend? I'd say, oh, we're going to Big Sur. And they would go, what's that? And I was like, what? You live, we, we, you know, yeah. just that lack of our own knowledge within our own space. Mike's brought me up to speed in, you know, the last decade, I would say, on even just Serpent Mound and the mounds of Ohio
0: and the mounds of the U.S. And I mean, I had been to that Chichen Itza, Chaco common. Canyon. Yeah. I had been to multiple big-time ancient sites before I ever realized that we had— Insanely advanced right structures here. in my own backyard. Right here that I had never heard about. Right, Newark Earthworks. But being that's one of when them. your mind kind of just exploded. Like, I, think. I hadn't been to Serpent Mountain until after I went to Chichen Itza. <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> that's what I'm and saying. It's two though. hours away. But we that's never what went I'm there. Saying. We never went there on a. On a a field trip when we were kids. Right. We never learned about it in history class.
1: So you had kind of a similar experience.
0: I was shocked.
1: To Vijay. Vijay, when he came over to the U.S. from India, was not on the path he's on now. He didn't think. When he came here and looked at some of the structures, though, he started to see similarities and patterns.
0: Hindu temples. Right. Yeah.
1: So he got awoken when he came here and was like, wait, what's happening? Yeah. I've seen this.
0: Serpent Mounds of Shiva Temple. started firing him up.
1: So. Same with Mike. Mike's going, you know, I wanna go see all this stuff. And then to realize it's right here too. You start to have these connection points where you go, I thought I had to travel so far to get to this ancient. No, it's, it's
0: right there. It's
1: man. everywhere. It we just gotta dig a little further and we'll probably find something in there. Yeah. Down in Miami right now, you know, they're digging up some site. Because they were building a new construct or uh, apartments or whatever it was. Yep. Um, and a guy I follow on Twitter went down there and he does all this traveling to just document all this stuff. And he loves archaeology. And he's like, you know,
0: this is incredible. And it's like, again, right in our own backyard. Well, I mean, perfect example. We were just at the in Sedona kind of. Going to petroglyph sites, going on hikes, hanging out, not expecting to find anything that would completely blow. I mean, petroglyphs are amazing, but right. we, we've been to a lot of petroglyph sites. Yeah, I've seen quite we've we've been, you know, around a little bit in that in the American Southwest and have seen a lot to find out that in the gift shop of the V Bar V Heritage site, they have photographs and started documenting oh. the serpent petroglyph on at V bar V and how it's a solstice marker and equinox marker. And there's seven bends in the serpent. There's also seven bends in the Ohio serpent mound. So I go on to to, to ask the ranger, Hey, have you ever heard of the Ohio serpent mound? No, I've never heard of that. What's that? I was like, well, you guys have a serpent here. That is the petroglyph that is tracking the solstice and equinoxes with shadow play on the wall. Oh. And we go through and take this whole tour where <laughs> wow. the park Ranger's telling us about, yeah, and then this is just all within the last year. We found out this is – it's a calendar. I said, again, have Check you heard about Super Serpent Mound. Mound in Ohio? No, right. I've never heard of that. Well, it's one of the most advanced equinox solstice calendars. It's, you know, it's a, a an 18.6-year lunar calendar um we have another octagon in Ohio that tracks the 18.6 year lunar calendar as right. well and so, but Serpent Mound tracks everything it's one of the few sites in the whole world that is a calendar system yeah and they're using it's similar like things like heather's uh, stone this this structure where
1: with the limestone it's and...
0: using the sun to you know basically point you in the direction sure. of of where uh, you know the different parts of the year and so forth, but these rangers had never heard about any of this stuff, no. and they were shocked. I mean, totally blown away. We did a little video on it, and uh, and I brought the the petroglyph to Jeff Wilson and said, "Hey, have you ever heard of this serpent petroglyph?" He'd never heard about it, and he knows. A and lot he about went through mounds. all these petroglyph books, yeah, and it, it had never been put together that you have this serpent in V Bar V Heritage Site, you have this ser- serpent mound in Ohio. That are doing the same thing. Right. With pre Hopi people.
1: It's just fascinating. <laughs> that's, a, that's a wide breadth of communication of knowledge across expanse of land to do that distinctly and similar concept. Nobody put it together. Of a right. Well, it still will happen. We're still, you know, we're connecting the dots. Right. But, you know, we, well and you have all these technologies now so you have all these scanning technologies that are looking over all the tablets and sumerian tablets and cuneiform and you know reading and interpreting those at what was it like 90 95% accuracy yeah. to try to help with this you know they they
0: start scanning heathers i think stones and things that she's finding
1: but i think that's the thing too is there's a there's such a large body of artifacts, knowledge, museums, research, disparate so you know, much. you're gonna end up like Gandalf in the in the bowels of that tower, like reading little pieces of paper that are on papyrus, you know, because there's so much information. And again, even like in the Vatican and, and things like that, which they'll never let it out. But to compile all of this information, weave it together because it can take lifetimes for people to dig through all of that. You know, if we can just somehow speed up that process of taking the already known knowledge and, and yep. information that's been archived, how do we advance that and speed that up to get a concise picture to where we can start making better determinations from just the literature? Where do we start? Where do we look? Well, you know, it's
0: taking people like Heather getting and, excited about this work, well, absolutely, and getting turned. But like, to help her job out up too, yeah, help
1: her get in the right direction of oh, this information I want to compile it and I want to sort it this way so I can look in this direction. But, I do a lot with analytics, so I think of things in how do I speed up the process. You know, how how do you compile that quicker? Get to what you want faster, and, and not have to sift through it. So it's more of taking that burden off of reading through this piece of information or that yeah. and because it does it might take a lifetime.
0: What's the most undeniable piece of information that you've come across that supports good question. Your what you're uncovering
2: um, well, the archaeological evidence of the skeletal remains yeah, of mm-hmm. firsthand knowledge of the people who had seen these bones, had them in their hands, yep. actually did the measurements, and then seeing the bone air skeleton, I think, um, as uh, proof physical proof um as well as what Vespucci had documented mm-hmm. and calling the islands the islands of the giants and seeing the map and seeing the islands called the islands of the giants it yep. um really makes that connection um also in terms of um the archaeologists here I have had many discussions with the head of archaeology here um in Aruba about the giants and he admits that there were giants here Okay. Um, um, and he 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 said he fully believes that there were, um, but that because it's such a kind of taboo subject, and he doesn't want to in any way tarnish his credibility, right. he chooses not go. to even address it.
3: There you
2: go. So which isn't helpful at all. And we um, butt heads and have many debates about uh, you know what exactly is his role. <laughs> so um, so. When, you know, you look at the archaeological evidence, which is what what allowed me to make the conclusion that there were giants uh, on these islands based off of that archaeological evidence and then once you determine that physically there there is evidence that there were giants then you start to look for the other connections that you see historically traditionally with these sites such as dolmens, such as megaliths and monoliths and um, archaeoastronomy and these connections with solstices and equinoxes and, and and the petroglyph sites and then you kind of find all those things um yep. for example another thing is giants love caves um <laughs> yes, i've seen this globally they really love caves and here in aruba is mm-hmm. no exception um in bonaire for example bonaire has the largest cave system of any of the caribbean islands cool. they have over 400 of them wow um here in aruba there are so many caves um and most of the the uh, giant remains and giant activities occurred within these caves so um that's, that's another common denominator mm, yeah. that you find giants in caves um so giants and, and monoliths and megaliths, and and that's, again, the same thing you're finding. And um, it's repeated globally. So if you can find the physical evidence and then look around and see, well, you know, usually then you'll find uh, um, balance stones or, or dolmen, and then you begin to find those, then you start to make these connections very soundly and um, and you're not... Um, speaking hysterically, you're actually putting together a story based on the evidence around you. And then also I um, I also, Uh, Add to it the stories of the people that the people tell me here in Aruba, and the people tell me in Bonaire and Curacao about ancestors that they had who were giants. Um, I think every now and then the genes come out, and I've met so many Arubans who say, "Oh, I had an uncle who was a giant. He was so big. His hands were so big. His jaw was so big. He was so tall. He had to have all his clothes and all his shoes handmade." Um, and you hear those stories too. And that's something that you also hear um, around p- areas where there were giant populations, these throwbacks to this, um, this genetic anomaly, uh, which would be an anomaly at this time, um, but was normal back then. So if you put that all that together, then you can come up with conclusions that are based um, on solid evidence. So mm-hmm. I think the, the whole story kind of un- it, t- it tells itself. Once you begin to find the the physical evidence,
0: Heather, why aren't they finding this? Why are the Heather L. Arnold's and the Jeffrey Wilsons? That's what blows not my that mind. We're upset that you're no, finding not it. at all. Right. But <laughs> you've taken this path to become completely obsessed with this topic. Well, but, but my whole thing is is like. I'm a stoner researcher from Ohio that looks into a couple – a lot of things. But this is Jeff's message of you've got to
1: go do it kind yourself of conclusions at certain levels because and it's not going to get done for you the way you want it done. That was that was his message, right? Yeah. I, I, I think that's what happens is you just run into – you get the guy at the event but, that goes, why don't look it, into Giants. There's no Giants. There's yeah. never been Giants. You're going, what the hell? <laughs> okay, I'm going to look into Giants. They're just not not putting the
0: pieces together. They're not doing, like Jeffrey talking about how, you know, over at Ohio History Connect, they don't look at these old documents. They're not looking into the archives They and don't researching look at the what history. people are saying back then. They just go off of what the narrative was and what they were taught in academia. Absolutely. That's and what she's they saying. not they're not digging deeper into the receipts like Heather is. They don't have the ability to do this kind of research. Once you get into
2: right, the community, I
0: mean,
1: you're co-opted.
2: Exactly you're, correct. You're
1: beholden yeah. to it. You've got a degree. You've got to toe the line. And,
2: and, Archaeologists, you know, um, really, there are some that are in the field. Yeah. But for a large majority of them, they're basically writing papers right. and right. or pushing papers and right. um, that, or moving one pile of papers from one side of their desk to the other side <laughs> of their desk. They're not really doing the work, you know, and they don't want to do the work. They don't want to get their hands dirty anymore. So, And when you really look at all the archaeological reports, you'll see it's just kind of copying something from someone else's archaeological yep. report putting it yeah. into yours and then adding another couple of paragraphs yep. and yep. now you put your name on it and now you're one of the lead investigators and it's kind of this cycle of almost elitism and um you know me just tracking down these archaeological reports was brutal it took me years right. to get all these archaeological reports i think i'm only missing one or two wow. um but i had to go and look in antique bookshops in europe for some of these reports i had Whoa. to uh, um, begged people Jeez. to let me into the medical libraries because right. I wasn't a medical student. So I had to, um, you know, b- b- bribe the woman at the university of Leiden to take a <laughs> screenshot. <laughs> so it's really difficult to get these reports. I love it. And the irony of it all is particularly in the United States, a lot of these reports are taxpayer funded. Yes, And yet, so even though they're funded through public funds, um, the public can't have access oh my God. to information and it's it's infuriating it's ridiculous you never find out the conclusions of what they've been doing um and because this information is completely cloistered so even when I have discussions with the archaeologists here in Aruba, I'll mention something about uh, one of the reports and he doesn't even know what I'm talking about. So I think yeah. a lot of the times they're yeah. not even reading their own reports or reading oh the God. reports, or if they did, they did it like one time back when they were studying. But Hey, you, you wrote know, a paper.
1: Uh, Good for you. It got printed in some journal. Well, that's what the game is. Or. You're not accepted that's
2: right. that's, as yeah,
0: successful exactly. in academia, but if that's you don't also have
1: papers published. that's Requirements That's too frustrating. You have to be published. And you need to get published yeah. this to get often, tenure, whatever it is, to, to
0: to keep your you know
1: to again, hold your position. It's the Tommy at Boy the University. All you got is a guaranteed piece of shit. Right? I could mark <laughs> guaranteed. Oh, but it but it's a and there have been other uh, scientists and and researchers that I've heard the line of thought against the research paper narrative too. Of like when that came into play the actual kind of grinding of the wheels of research and discovery that happened. Yeah. And that was kind of the purpose stops. of it
0: is to slow it down.
1: Yeah. I can't yeah. remember what, well, what I was you listening become, to. Like where she where said, a paper
0: that. pusher. You're pushing papers. Maybe you're not even writing your own papers. Oh, if I walked into that job
1: and they're like, hey, Justin, you know, it reminds me of the Truman show where he's like, I want to be like Magellan and discover things. And the lady pulls down the map. She's like, well, everything's been discovered. And he's like, (laughs) if I walked into an archaeology role and they're like, yeah, you're just going to sit here and write papers and push papers and I would I would leave right there and then. It reminds me of a story of like the smartest guy in his residency. The first day they went into the hospital and he saw what his actual doctor's life was going to be. He told his head chief and in, uh, instructor he said, "Hey, I need to go use the restroom." He never came back. Yeah. He walked out and the the guy and again, told this was like he was like a savant. and He was like,
0: there "I are can't do this." Incredible people in academia and I would never put a blanket term on everyone no, is... No, but what
1: I'm saying is if that was what my idea of, hey, I want to get into archaeology to dig up things, to find, to, to move the needle, the not to look at someone else's and someone else's and then write my paper just, just so that, that whoever I have to write this paper for, but like, I don't like that kind of system. I want to do it for the reasons I want to do it.
0: Perfect example. Jeffrey Wilson is at a dig at Serpent Mound. Who's sifting through the dirt of the artifacts, of everything that they're pulling out of the Jeff. dig, Jeff is sifting through as a volunteer to find helper. the artifacts. <laughs> Why is he, a former guy that used to work for NASA and did LiDAR scanning yeah. for NASA that just has an obsession with Serpent Mound and bought a property, moved in next yeah. door because he's so completely obsessed. Why is he... <laughs> Digging through the dirt to find this sip through the artifacts. And then when they're done, no one rebuilds the serpent's tail. Guess who ends up rebuilding the tail? Jeffrey. Yeah. The volunteer from Friends of the Serpent Mound. Took care of it. So where's the archaeologist? Guess what? They're he sitting in the air place. conditioner. Yeah, he loves that They're sitting place. in the gift shop. There you... In the air conditioning. He couldn't get them to come out yeah. and take, and like, dude, why am I doing this? Yeah.
1: Picked a bad time of year to do it. It feels that hot. It may, it frustrates the hell out of me. People just don't care that much. Some people don't care that much, some people do. And it's tough to get the right balance sometimes. And then you have but different- But they're
0: not trailblazers. Heather's a trailblazer. Right. She's going into European archives. <laughs> And digging Bribing deeper than anybody, favorite. I love it, Heather. <laughs> I, I would, love it. I would love your help getting in the archives of this small uh, John Humerick House Museum here in Ohio. It, it contains the Newark Holy Stones. They're to on display. See them, yeah. Well, in the basement of that place, I've asked to be let down there to to shoot or to see a couple of the the original documents from when they found the artifact in that that limestone mound i was right. telling you about well nobody actually has ever seen those original reports so there's an, the Antiquity, American Antiquity Magazine wrote up a whole thing. They have Xerox copies of the American Antiquity of, of that magazine, and the original copy is in the basement. So I asked the lady, I said, hey, can I get down in that basement and check out, I can't really read this Xerox <laughs> copy of this report. What was her response? Is it in the basement? She goes, oh, absolutely, it's down there. I said, wow, that, that's amazing. Can I get down there and see it? And She goes... Absolutely not. I'm like, really? <laughs> she goes, no. She looked at me like I was insane. And I'm like, why?
1: That's where the She's Wizard like, of Oz is hiding behind the honey, curtain. Honey, honey, it is.
0: would take an act of Congress for you to get down in that basement and see what you're asking to see. I'm like, what are you putting down there? Why? What down there That seems then? a bit overkill what to me. What do you got down there? E.T.? Oh,
1: yeah. The wreckage of Roswell? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> You got the smoking man down there playing a game of blackjack. What's going on but in that basement? She was
0: almost offended that I asked her to go down in the in the basement to see these original documents. Like offended. So I would love to stick Heather on. Like, hey, <laughs> she can find some way to get us down there. Right, Heather? I'll tell you what.
2: Yeah, of course. I've been in the basement of the archaeology museum here in Aruba. And it was... Um, it was sad, really, because oh. you can't imagine how much is down in these basements oh, I, I can't mean,
1: I
3: can. the
2: real museum is in the basement. 100%. Where Right, uh, it's uh, it's like one uh, percent of what they have um, uh, in their possession is on display, and it's hand picked things. For example, right. there's only one artifact of the giants in the archaeology museum here, and it's of a stone tool, and it indicates this is the largest stone tool ever found, and it stands out from all the other st- stone tools, which are of much later um, groups of people who are. Are not giants at all, and um, actually um, came from the mainland of South America. Um, whereas the giants here, there's they, the scientists have no idea where the giants came from. Um, it's as if they were always here. They didn't come from South America, or there's no real connection to any groups living um, yeah. outside of Aruba. Um, so they or Bonaire and Curacao. So um, it's very um, you know, it, it, it stands out. And But the interesting thing is I know there are other giant artifacts in that right. basement because one of my friends found one a couple of years ago outside one of the caves hmm. and he, I told him, why don't you give it to the archaeology museum? And he did and the archaeologist hmm. just put it in a shoebox and closed it and put it on a shelf and so that's the other concern that things aren't being ca- categorized. Oh. They're not being put into any sort of categories. At and this- Catalog.
1: I would never tell anybody no. of any no. museum or this or that or that. I have it. Nope. I would never turn it in. I'm sorry, but I would nope. find somebody like our friend that we know that takes care of items. Jim Bowser. Yeah. yeah. I would probably go would that route or what have you because that's my concern is – there's so much there. I was just trying to think about, like, Dude, while you're talking about the how dig take care mound. of it.
0: They dug up just to one Thousands, pipeline to right. put in a water fountain in a restroom. They dug up, like, I don't know, 100,000 artifacts. Right. No one has ever seen those artifacts. Not a single one. They're sitting in a box in the 90s. A, a research student, an archaeology student, wrote a paper right. about these the artifacts only documentation and, and basically it. said... In her paper, why am I doing this? (laughs) Why am I cataloging? That was her whole thesis. Was that was the parallel to why the hell? M I yes. That
1: was a parallel to Jeff was like, and I started to feel like this research writer where I'm building the tail going, Oh my God, I'm that person at this moment. I'm the person that shouldn't be doing this, but why the hell
0: am I doing this? Yeah. And I she's was, an undergrad student doing yeah. cataloging these incredible artifacts. You know what would be that great. No one at the top of American archaeology gave a damn about. It. And that's about what it. pisses me off.
1: You know it'd be great if we could take this, we could scan these. Artifacts and items in in real time now So taking modern technology to solve these Problems how, how do we how do we put it So we can display all this so you don't go to the museum And just see one giant artifact how do I See that so let's digitize this uh, Scan it put it into where you can get your VR, you can visit right. the museum.
0: Undeniable then.
1: And all of that information is put on there, and yep. you can go to the giant category and scroll through everything. You can walk through the museum. You can take it all in. It would be real scale size for that. You know, That's the only way I can think of to rep because h- how physical do you physically stuff, not gonna put that you. much out? Yeah, you know, if, if the collections are hundreds of thousands of items for all of these – because. Think about all of They're the not, stuff they don't you want, have in your own house. They don't Just want everything people to be able to research item
0: and get into those arguments. If you made all that information available, somebody would dig something incredible up. Well, I, and that's again, what they here's don't my, want. Here is my people idealistic. Like to make all these correlations, right.
1: this is my idealistic approach. I mean,
0: she's working so hard to find. Like Jeffrey, it really reminds me of that. It's like you are digging oh, it's so deep, needle and so in a hard.
1: haystack, over and over. Like, it gets exhausting to be like, oh, you know, it's great when you find it, but you're like, God, the next time I look at that haystack, it looks even bigger. You know, it's like, but if you've got that burn and desire, this is why we still do what we're doing and why we, you know, do the podcast and why we've, you know, kept at it for, it's been a couple of years and then we brought it back online again we're not giving up on it because it's a desire, it's a passion, it's you know, um, something that same thing that you're doing with this, you know, you... You've got a spark for it that is yep. not going out anytime Undeniable. soon. Undeniable. And every time you get that reinforcement, it's like, oh yeah, I'm ready to go. Right. Yeah. You know, what's the next thing?
0: And is that what keeps you going, wild. Heather?
2: yeah, you know, I mean, it's every day is a new discovery. Yeah. So last week I went out on a couple of hikes. I haven't even posted anything about this yet, and I was taken to this very bizarre site um this m- m- a monolith that is probably the most bizarre monolith I've ever seen. It's clearly worked. it's enormous. Um, and then next to it is a face. and I've actually posted about the face um it's a face that looking up and it's a woman. Face, and you can see she kind of has hair, and she has a face, and she's looking up um, at the heavens. Uh, she is reminiscent of, I don't know if you've seen this face that was found in the jungle of Guatemala that has since sadly been destroyed um, uh-uh. due to war, but it's from the um, early 1900s and it's very reminiscent. So, mm. I mean, that was something I I, I I saw for the first time and then this petroglyph panel and then these alignments with the, with the sun. Um, so there's always something more to discuss discover and uncover. So just when you think that maybe okay, now I can go and focus my efforts on something else and another aspect it, there's always something more. And, and that's kind of why I moved down here. Is so I could continue yeah. the mm-hmm. research and be here and so when i come up with an idea as i'm writing or as i'm researching i don't have to put it on a list of things to go check out next time i head down to aruba right. i'm here yeah. so yeah. i can just do it you and it's right funny you know yeah it's even though I'm here I keep forgetting that I'm here so I keep like researching you know and then I'm like oh no I wanted to see I'm like oh no I could just go (laughs) there like I'm here now you know it's I'm so used to for uh, you know 15 years sitting and making lists Mm -hmm. of places I want to see and coming on a vacation where people are usually on the beach and I'm like crawling through a cave with like (laughs) these cobwebs all over it and I'll get on the plane back to New York and I'm like oh these people like we're on beaches and i was in like caves you know uh, it's just, i know uh, that feeling incredible yeah that's... so it's it, it's i feel sometimes yeah. that the giants want me to tell the story you know oh, i yeah. feel like yeah. um, sometimes that's part of it too that you know someone should be telling their story and since no one else on the islands is, um, at least in this complete fashion, then, you know, it has to be me. So I'm, I'm glad that I'm doing it. And right now I'm also helping, um, put together a new museum that's going to be opening, um, on the Southern part of this Island. And it's going to be a history museum in Aruba's first capital, the original capital of Aruba, which was Sabaneta. And, um, and in that museum will be a portion about the giants. So I'm going to be working on that. So that really motivates me as
0: well. That's
1: awesome.
2: Congratulations.
0: That is amazing.
1: I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep bugging you about that to see the progress on that. I want to see how that's
0: going along. That's awesome. Great.
2: Yeah. So I'm excited about that.
1: Yeah.
0: We'll be, Good. We'll be following you. along with everything you're doing because, I mean, sure. like I said, this For is sure. like breaking news stuff. Yeah, we haven't oh. had anything that's this kind of immediate breaking news and blown your mind. Yeah, my <laughs> mind's blown. Like I'm, Insane. I'm not going to sleep Insane. tonight. Again, this is, <laughs> um, is kind of a trend with our show. Um, yeah. lately we've been on just a run of incredible conversations, incredible guests. Yeah, and and honestly, Heather, you're adding to. Giants researchers Jim Vieira, Hugh Newman, yeah. Ross Hamilton, Jeffrey Wilson, uh, you know these guys that that we've. You're expanding
1: kinda, the reading list for people to peruse. Uh, is
0: you have Europe, you have Aruba, you have uh, the you know the Stone Chambers is uh, you that's know Jim and his stuff. brother
1: and the, with the etchings and the marks for you know how many, conservatively you know the theory that that's for how many pregnancies and births and just all the caves on the island like. It just seems like it's a perfect place, and kind of the dots but are connecting. She's along got with information other that's
0: adding to the story. Well, it you know correlates
1: I mean? so closely,
0: and you it's know, it's so wild. It officially blown. My mind's blown. Yeah, <laughs> like because every time she talks about something, it's ten things that I've looked into around here that is exactly the same story, the right. exact same way it unfolds. Right. Um, you know, it's the archaeoastronomy. It's the megaliths. It's the the structures, the mounds, earthworks, burial sites. Yeah, we'll
1: get there at some petroglyphs. point. Petroglyphs. Some point, someone's going to grow up. They're going to infiltrate the Smithsonian. They're going to get to these Jay, museums and Jay
0: from Cryptids <laughs> of the Corn.
1: And they're going to do a yeah. They are going to do a. Somebody said it earlier in the chat, like a National Treasure heist. And there's you know we're going to oh. somebody's going to leak this information at some point.
0: Yeah. I think we're getting close to that. What do you think, Heather? Do you think there's somebody on the inside that's ready to just pop with this stuff?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think the problem with the, the Smithsonian, with all these museums, I used to really think, I think there's a concerted effort to keep things quiet. I oh, think particularly about the Giants. Um, I think for a part of it, people used to say, oh, it has to do with Darwinism. Well, yeah. if you read Dar- Darwin's works, which I have, um, he, Darwin talks about large statured people. Mm-hmm. He talks about coming in contact with them and how they are just giants essentially and um he speaks specifically about the giants he came across in patagonia and how he talks about them being of large stature so it can't be about darwinism and darwin wasn't that prolific where you would have to protect him in such a way Mm. it doesn't even make sense but I really think the effort deals more with the Bible, interestingly enough. And although I'm not a religious person um, on that level, I do think there is an effort to, to say that if we admit, we being the powers that be, that there are were giants, then the Old Testament is accurate because the Old Testament oh. mentions a lot about the giants. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, Goliath Absolutely. is a, the, one of the most famous right. of the Giants. Right. So, um, so I think there's almost a good verse evil in a sense, you know, maybe th- there's a suppression of the truth so that as not to make the Bible look like a historically accurate document as sure. well as a religious
1: Make book. it look more
2: fantastic. Um, like, right, right. That's right. Our, our friend so, Joel
0: Thomas, who's been looking into the biblical side of giants oh, and the yeah. Nephilim. Uh, he's a podcaster, musician, Kill the Mockingbirds is his podcast, but he's been going deep on the Nephilim, the biblical bloodlines of, you know, going back to Noah, the book of Enoch, how the book of Enoch and these ancient texts tie in and with the Watchers and who these beings were. Right. And like he's saying as, you know, from a Christian perspective, he's a Christian, you know, fully comes out and says, I'm interested in this research from the biblical standpoint of – If all of this is true, like you said, they have to admit that, hey, there's some truth to these ancient stories. And that the Bible might be more based in fact. The Hindu texts, all these texts, the Bible is coming from older sources, just like older source maps. Sure. And so a lot of cultures have this correct whether it's right sumer right. a lot of cultures Egypt,
1: have these fantastical stories of the flying biblical machines stories or gods that have magical yes. powers and weapons and yep. yeah yeah in in giants and nephilim I, yeah in it, all
0: lines dude right heather i mean
1: this yes is what, and
2: you know and in terms of the museums i think a lot of them are just really disorganized yeah and um, a lot of the artifacts, they don't even know what they have. Uh, right. I, I mean, I, the, from what I've seen <laughs> in my experience with these museums, particularly their basements, they they literally, I mean, I, I know an archaeologist who just stumbled across a skull and was trying to figure out where does the skull belong to. There's not even any documentation attached to the skeletal remains. So I think it's a lot of sloppiness. and. Yeah. And if you let us see, I mean, again, tax dollars a lot of times, particularly in the United States, are funding these um, centers, these museums, and to admit that how sloppy it is Mm -hmm. and um, how there's no uh, built management of the artifacts, no leadership, or you got a exactly,
1: you got a Ted Bundy working there, and he's dropping off a random skull in the. Right. Yeah, like, right. yeah, just getting rid of some evidence here yeah
2: yeah it's you just know. bizarre I mean yeah. how do you ha- not have documentation attached to an ancient skull it's just it's just sad I mean really all the work it, it, put it into is. unearthing it and yeah. what if it's the answer to some sort of question or you know it's um, it's really I think that has a lot to do with it too it's not only something that's maybe um, suppressed purposefully, uh, per- but also it's just complete uh, mayhem in these basements. And there's yeah. just uh, complete incompetency.
1: What about yeah. the fact that you have and people that purposefully buried? Members, you know, even the Egyptians, you know, we take out all these tombs and we're unwrapping them. If somebody was people, going around in the local cemetery in our hometown digging up graves and, you know, it, it, it's a fine line. Like, when does that become okay? How long does time have 1, to go? A thousand
0: years, 800 we years. We are,
1: I guess, in the sense there is some justification if you want to take it this route and say, you know, we're trying to understand our history. We're not maybe digging it up to loot it as much as we are trying to understand the storyline yeah. if we take it from that context i can understand it but when it gets kind of like you're saying it's so sad like you go through the trouble of burying this member um we dig them up later and we're like ah just we already Toss have it in 200 a shoebox. Just throw. like dude i went through all this effort my tribe my culture my people buried me like you know you you just disrupted my final resting place. In a like a sketchers box. I don't like being woken up in, in the morning, you know, even after a good night's rest. Like, I don't want you to disturb my final resting place in that manner and at least, you know,
0: not take yeah. any kind of care but, of me. But is it underfunded? You know, like Jeffrey talks about oh, how sure. there's only a handful of archaeology positions in the Midwest. It's not a growing field. That are even studying Hopewell, Adena. These are old terms for the mountain builders here in Ohio. The Hopewell, the Adena, the Fort Ancient cultures. There's like one one guy in Indiana.
1: Yeah.
0: That's an expert on yeah. the Hopewell. And he's probably going to uh, move on and go work for a museum or something. So, you have very It's drying up. undervalued, underappreciated in archaeology too yeah. where they're not getting the funding. It's like, "Well, why would I go out here and dig into all these things if my work's not going to be presented yeah. and so the, the field itself just gets fizzled out and what he was saying was a lot of these like big high-end LiDAR companies are what we rely on for the research now. So yeah. it's not archaeologists going out; it's these, uh, you know, folks that have big, expensive equipment, sonar equipment, and they're getting the jobs to go out and do the research. What and if the it's archaeologists, going to get privatized,
1: and we're not going to know? That's what's about happening,
0: any of it. dude. That's what's happening here. So in So basically, what happened with all right of the mounds now,
1: back in the day of somebody buying that land and looting it and whatever with the remains and those guys that's were gonna all happen like, again.
0: They were all private researchers and Freemasons. They were going around. Like like antiqu- antiquarians is what they call. it. So they're going to be all over South America, going through the jungles
1: and finding. People are places. doing it
0: now. Oh my gosh! Heather's a modern-day antiquarian.
1: I get that, but I'm saying she's you know? not using like you know Terminator level technology. No, to fly but black helicopters over things with lidar to find this. She's out there that's doing gumshoe work.
0: All those companies that are scanning I, the the Guatemalan jungle—that's some big company that's doing those scans. So that's it, not is some this university. privatizing the
1: information of the world at this point. I mean, that's what it's going to. This is so weird. But you
0: still have your underground, you know, boots on the ground folks I get, doing the research, which I get that, hopefully and that's appreciated that we, we can need bring that. those people to light more. At this then the point, big
1: I understand Jeff's message and seeing her enthusiasm for it, and kind of your own enthusiasm, how much you've studied and self-educated, Jeff. Because I'm, I'm just more of like I have you know enough knowledge, but Mike really digs in and sinks his teeth into like wanting to understand it from a deeper perspective. I just kind of like to collectively get all of the information and get my gut feeling in check of like, if somebody's like giants, yes or no. I'm like, yes, I've heard enough. I've seen enough evidence. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like I just, I have to have that accumulation. If I have a doubt about a subject, then I want to hear somebody talk about that enough and and not convince me, but give me enough information that my mind goes, yep, that bucket is filled up enough that I agree with you. And I think, yeah, at this stage it's, I was in disbelief the first it's, it's time I had so heard about
0: giant skeletons being found in Ohio. Right. Yeah, right. You're full of crap. <laughs> Don't give me that. I would have known about this. This are you been kidding headline me? News. I yeah. know more about weird shit than anybody I know. And I didn't know about this. Come on. Yeah. This is crazy. Well, Stranger things have happened. But you know, you kinda took that that line of is a little discovery which is leading you to now you're you're really unfolding this yeah. huge mystery down in Aruba and I can't thank you enough for your research um Absolutely. for real like this is one of the best episodes we've done I had a blast. Uh, I was so stoked to do this one too. Yeah. I was. I knew it was going to be a banger too. Yeah. I mean, like I said, this is the wheelhouse of the wheelhouse of the strange road. Yeah. (laughs) But Heather, I want to. Final thoughts from you. If there's anything else we need to be aware of, uh, final thoughts. And then also, where can we find your work? Where can we find you? How can people connect?
2: Yeah, so I'm just so thankful that you invited me on. I really appreciate it. Um, you know, I just from, I, it's funny because just a year ago uh, this month, uh, it was just a dream to move down to Aruba and then now I'm here. And, um, you know, I, my advice is something that you brought up earlier, Mike, is that j- just look around you, you know, yeah. look around your, your backyard. You know, when I lived in New York, an hour north of me were ancient megalithic chambers yep. and um the huge dolmen that is um on the picture for promoting tonight's show yep. um of in, in north salem new york um so the, just you know if you see something and it looks strange or or you've always had a question about it or some sort of intuitive feeling just research it further because just because you don't see it on the internet it's not on google no one's written about it and you haven't learned about about it it doesn't mean that that's not a discovery waiting to happen and and there are a lot of things like that and that's how we're going to find things out is where people just look around them you know I respect a lot of people who do Google research but yeah. not to the extent extent that you you can't for example i can't speak about easter island the way i speak about it without being there without seeing those moments i can't talk about the caves here in the petroglyphs without seeing them and being there and there's something about doing that and you don't have to travel really that's the point i mean just look around where you are or where you can drive to i'm sure if you have the mind for this you've you already have a sight in your head of what you want to investigate further Mm -hmm. and to make the connections to other sites because you don't always have to reinvent the wheel once you find one thing for example i found the giants then you know and they're in caves and you know there's petroglyphs out there maybe there's megaliths there are megaliths there are monoliths there are um, archaeoastronomy correlations so look at other research and you can probably make those connections too so and then tell people about it make sure you tell people about it You know, because that's really you want to add to our human story. And Mm -hmm. and without telling people about it, you're just not adding to it at all. And and, um, you know, becoming a mini Smithsonian, for example. So um, (laughs) I just hope that. You know, people are inspired to do research, um, yeah. and and not have to feel that they have to travel or or do anything exotic. They, there's no reason for that. Now it's good to always travel, but to be used com- to compare and contrast what you've seen, right. um, because that's something that has really um, uh, afforded me uh, an insight into researching these sites. But I do hope that people are inspired to research around their own homes and and come up with new discoveries too. Um, and I'm starting my substack, heatherlarnold.substack.com. And that's where you're going to be finding all of my research um, in much more detail. So I'll be posting teasers on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, which I'm also found at Heather L. Arnold, but then um, I'll be going into much more elaborate detail on my Substack. Um, the reason why I decided to do a Substack is because I think people um, can accept the information a little easier than having an entire book or um, people seem to lose interest sometimes. And uh, I think that in a blog form is a little a bit more pal- palatable to a lot of people uh, particularly um it's a little quicker read and it'll have photos and diagrams and everything wonderful um and yeah and just um continue to follow me on facebook and uh instagram and twitter
0: awesome oh my god that was oh yeah. incredible i mean that, we might even have to just say we're gonna
1: we're gonna just as you keep going with it like when, when the next time we're gonna, you know, put you through the the well, ring or I mean, honestly— because it's gonna we, be like, what did she do now?
0: Substack, we can cover it on strange happenings.
1: Yep. So we, we, we will have be a where we for that.
0: cover headlines, news, newspaper articles. Yep. Articles on what's happening strange in the week. I yeah. mean, that's, yeah. you know, a would substack to, to pop time. in on yeah. and, you know, keep everybody up to date. Absolutely. Through strange happenings. So we, we can do that. And obviously, we would love to have you on any time in the future. If you would door is always open. ever want to come on our little show again, the, the door is always open, Heather.
3: Yeah.
2: I would love that. Thank you so much. I would love to be part of the show. I really enjoyed it. I appreciate it.
1: Oh, thank you so much. This is a blast. And Unbelievable. The wind, thankfully, I think yeah. we had like maybe one little cutout. <laughs> no wind so.
0: mishap. One one tiny one. I'll
1: it was a blip. It. I will take that as a, a win. Well the wind. The yeah. Aruban
0: giant gods are shining <laughs> down and smiling upon us <laughs> I, this evening. I think so. Am I wrong?
1: No, I think you're exactly right. Well, thank you again, Heather.
0: Yeah, Heather, thank you so much. Stay right there. We're gonna outro the show. We're gonna come back and chit chat with you and say goodbye properly. Um, but for right now, we appreciate you so much. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. All right, that was that was dope, dude. That was. I hope all you guys in the chat love that episode, this episode as much as we did. Um, we saw I did the chat. No, it was gonna flying. get that deep. I had a feeling. I would but put my I, I on. I like keeping you in the dark for that lo- reason. So I, read I can I can actually to watch enough. your brain just start hurting my cracking head. and then yeah. exploding.
1: It was great. It was uh, yeah, like you said, not going to bed <laughs> every night after a great show like that is like the night before Christmas. Yeah. as a kid, to where well, you're like, I'm going to catch Santa this year. Yeah, and you're just waiting on the presents. Like yep. I used to sleep behind the Christmas tree to catch him, but. I always Your fall Your poor mother. So I'll fall asleep tonight at like, well, in the morning, like two or three.
0: Yeah, we'll get to bed eventually. Uh, but thank you to everyone in the chat. We appreciate that guys, he- rock. the hell out of you guys rock. every time they bring it, they bring the heat. They're awesome. Um, you know, we are awesome. Stucky, uh, I agree. Don't forget to love. Wonderful comment. All of you out there, we love you. Um, we appreciate. Th- we thank Heather again. Um, don't forget to follow us on social media. We're at the Strange Road. You yeah, can find us. Check us, us out. Um, we're putting out clips and reels and and shorts and. Um, we've got uh, episodes rolling out each week. If you yep. guys want to really keep in contact with us, uh, make sure you like and share this video if if you like it. Yeah, um, you we're know. trying
1: this new thing. We're like, you know, we don't know if people do the word of mouth as much, but you know, if you've got somebody yep. out there that enjoys this as well, you know, give them a give them a. You shout know, out somebody that's way.
0: into giants, share this video. Show with them, them
1: how to show them how to hitchhike, you know, to get over here.
0: That's right. And come on over. And, and if you aren't subscribed already,
1: we're close subscri- on, on some
0: merch. Yes. We're
1: close. Yes. We're trying. We're and we trying. are, we've we got are getting
0: uh, an e commerce portal. And got some people merch saying they and want hoodies
1: things. and shirts and stuff. And we've heard you and we're trying to get there. We we're getting to get there. you some gear so you can represent The Strange Road in a yep. great way and hopefully strike up those conversations of people that usually ask us the same thing. Like, what the hell is The Strange Road? And you go, well, yes. And people usually go, yeah, I, I know what the strange road is. You know, mm. it's kind of like they recognize it after they get the terminology.
0: Really? I haven't met anybody is. that's recognized.
1: <laughs> no. Uh, uh, Agni Hotra. Adam. Oh, Adam. He's yeah. like, so I guess you could say I've been on a strange road. Oh, he, that's how yeah. So we've had people actually, yeah, yes. you know, relay it back to their own experiences. So some of the guests, but, yeah. you know, if you're out rocking the gear and somebody goes, what's the strange road? You know, that's just the conversation starter yep. of, well, hey. This is kind of how I got to it. And I think we all that have gravitated towards this show and towards this kind of like um, culture. Yeah, we have questions. That's why we're here. We, we know that we're not seeing the artifacts. We know we're not getting the official and story. We're going to have people on and that we're tired have the answers. And we're tired of not getting
0: it. Yes. Yeah. And we're going to have people on that have the answers. Yeah. And you guys can decide and do your own research. Please do. And, you know, take – Fact check me up. Anything that up and our down. dumb asses says with a Please. grain of salt <laughs> – uh, by the way as well. But <laughs> we're gonna end it there. This has been a great night. We guys. appreciate the hell out of all you guys. Oh, and uh, Stoner. And we appreciate and Master Control. Always Stoner, the loner. Yeah. All alone. And, and even though he's not here in all spirit, by himself in Master Bro. Control. But Disbro, we know back. you're in your hotel room hanging out. We know you're coming back. Um and you know, and We, we, missed you we appreciate week. your your spirit and, and setting us up for success
1: Absolutely. with all the audio. He uh, well-oiled this uh, machine so that we can just hit go.
0: Absolutely. And uh, good night to all of you crazy fools in the chat. Thank we you, We appreciate the hell out of you. Thank you guys so much. We are out. Uh, drop that beat, sir.